Superstitions, but in both I know there's some truth. There's some truth. See, we seek a purpose, a reason, something for us to believe in, a crutch to guide us through. Life can be so amazing, such a thing should not be wasted, and there is no mistaking. Life is what you make it, baby. Welcome back to Growing with Gwen. We're officially on episode four now, which I'm just really excited about. We're finally kind of getting the ball rolling. A couple of questions before we get into today's topic. I would love to know, because I don't think realistically, even if I was the most productive version of myself, I don't think I'd be able to post more than one episode per week just because I 
I mean, unless it was more of an interview, it's possible. But for now, at least, because it is me kind of planning and getting some ideas of things I wanted to share and talk with you guys about, in addition to like everything else that I'm kind of trying to keep up with, like OnlyFans. And I really also want to post non-podcasts on this channel still, like just vlogs and other day things like that, fashion-y, whatever. I don't know. I don't know exactly. I have some ideas. And health things. I want to do more food and cooking stuff and home and decor actually yeah some life updates actually why don't we talk about this um oh my god <laughs> this is why i plan shit you guys because i already forgot the first thing i was gonna say what day of the week would you prefer me to post my podcast because in theory i'll have everything like a little bit more organized so that i could post on whatever day would be best for everyone so if there's just already like a day you find where there's just not a lot of information or entertainment or you know things to keep you occupied let me know what that day is and i can just kind of specifically post every week on that day because i haven't really decided yet right now it's just been whenever i have an episode actually ready but in theory I'll be on the ball and make sure I post every single week. So if you have a day that would be the best, let me know. My brain instinct or something wants me to do it on Mondays just because I know a lot of people hate Mondays and I like low-key really love Mondays because it's like, it's the same thing with when you have a new year, that feeling of like a fresh start and a new week, anything can happen. It's Anything is possible, <laughs> you know? It's a nice feeling, but I know that a lot of people hate Mondays. So perhaps... As somebody who likes Mondays and likes like that feeling of motivation and inspiration, perhaps it would make sense for me to post Mondays and then make your Monday less shitty feeling. Maybe. Unless you don't like my podcast. But I I guess that's irrelevant. I'm going to assume that if you're going to actually comment and say what day, you do like it. So let me know. If you have a preference, holla at us and I'll I'll do that for you. Eventually, I'll, I'll be super organized and on the ball. I promise. That's That's my goal. Um, what else did I want to tell you guys? Oh, one other thing. Oh yeah. One. Okay. No, I have a couple more things before we get into the topic. Okay. First, holy shindig, you guys. And I guess I'll tell you guys more about this because, um, what we're going to be talking about today, I'm going to go through the information and then I'm going to talk about my personal experiences in relation to this concept and kind of explain, um, some things that may, might be what that is. It makes sense in a second, but one life update (laughs) is that, I think I'm going to buy this house, you guys. If you remember, I was renting in Toronto literally this time last year. January 22nd is today. And I got an update on my phone. Um, If any of you have iPhones, maybe other phones to do this. They like show you maybe eight photos every single day that are from a while ago, just as like memories. And so they were showing me this time last year and I was still in my old apartment with my boyfriend. It was a really cute photo of him like smiling. I was like, oh my God, you're the cutest thing ever. But Um, yeah, I kind of can't believe that in the span of a year, I moved to this house and now, um, my landlord was like, he wants to sell the house. He's not absolutely certain, but he thinks he's going to. And so he was asking me if I would want to buy it or if not, he said he would give me enough notice to find somewhere else to live because I do, I do have my lease signed until halfway through July. That's when I originally moved in last year. So he technically can't kick me out until then, but he's giving me so much time and notice. It's actually really nice of him. In the grand scheme of things, it like sucks that when you're renting that you can just kind of get kicked out of your house. Like that really, really sucks, but it worked out really well because I do actually have the money now to buy a house. And it makes more sense because like buying a house just makes more sense if you can afford it versus renting because then that money is actually going back to you and like becoming an investment versus you just giving your money away to somebody else, you know? So it's kind of like a blessing in disguise. I 
did have a little bit of a mental breakdown because I was just really stressing because it's not like it's a cheap house. Like the amount of money he wants is like, it's a lot of money. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's what you would expect for a house. It's not insane, but it's just, it's houses are so expensive. You know what I mean? It's just too much money. Like I think he wants like 800 grand. So we are going to get our, our own appraisal or dude to come and tell us what he thinks the price would be. And then we can kind of compare, but yeah, I think I'm going to buy this house because I don't really want to have to move. Um, moving is the most annoying thing ever. So I think I'm going to buy this house. Um, and also in time for hopefully this coming winter, um, in 2021, so around September, October time, buy some sort of small place, maybe Florida, maybe Arizona, maybe Texas. I don't really know. There's too many places that I want to live. I can't decide, but just somewhere so that six months of the year, I can just like GTFO (laughs) because my boyfriend loves Canada so freaking much and all of his family is here. And it's just, it makes sense that he wouldn't want to leave. But all I've ever wanted is to leave Canada. Like since I was a kid, I was like, I hate being cold. It just makes me so depressed. And because you're cold a good 10 months of the year, I mean, I realize that summer lasts a bit longer, but if it's below 20 degrees, I'm cold. So there's a very small amount of time in Canada where I'm like actually content temperature wise. And I find, especially in the winter, it's like, it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to just exist because I'm so cold. I just want to curl up in a ball and cry. Makes sense. I know it sounds, I sound crazy, but that's honestly, if any of you understand and you are like um, born to live somewhere warm and definitely not made for Canada, then I think you will get me. But I know my boyfriend like does not comprehend. Like he thinks I'm being so over the top, and I'm like, I feel like I'm gonna die. I'm so cold, you know. But it's just, it just something feels so wrong. Every part of me is like, you're not supposed to be cold. I told you you were supposed to move a year ago. Um. Anyways, yeah. So I'm kind of excited about that, but I guess I'll know more and update you guys. But that's could be really cool and kind of as exciting because um me and my boyfriend did talk for the last couple of months about how it would be really really cool if my landlord sold this house and we could buy it because we love this house um but we always talked about that as if it would never happen like it just never occurred to me because my landlord like this is a brand new house like he literally just built it but I guess it makes sense like he probably bought the land for way cheaper and then just built it and he's probably making quite a bit of money from it you know I don't know but um yeah I was also really stressing because the I mean I always knew that the mainstream media didn't tell us the whole truth I mean like it's just there's so many fucking things that you're not told and they're so full of shit so often I don't know obviously the majority of mainstream media is paid for by like other people who have interest in what the news says um and so they're really already biased but also I think I really don't think that reporters are evil, like at least a majority of them. I think they just don't realize that they are spreading misinformation because what will happen is you'll one person will write an article and then all the rest of them will just cite that article. None of them will go to the original source that like shows that what they're saying is actually not true and that they're just spreading lies. And I don't get why, because as a journalist, isn't your job to research and like investigate before you just report like I don't understand why this is happening but in any case uh I'm just disappointed in the world so all I want you guys to know because mainstream media is making it sound as though it's so unlikely that this will happen to you but we actually don't have any scientific studies yet so they 
they're just lying. They're just making shit up, honestly. Like, there is no actual tests on the new COVID-19 vaccine that everyone is getting. And so many people are having really bad allergic reactions. So many people are also just dying from that as well. So I am not an anti-vaxxer at all. I've already gotten vaccines. And like, I mean, I think that there's a reason why I haven't gotten like a lot of diseases and died. Like, I don't think that vaccines are bad. And that's what I think is such an issue with the world today is everything is so binary in people's minds. It's so black and white. And it's like, I can be not pro this new vaccine that legitimately has not been scientifically tested the way any other vaccine would. Like it's been eight months since they've been making it. Like it has not gone through all of the tests that it needs to go through. We, there's no way for us to know the long-term impacts on your health. There's no way for us to know the percentage or how actually likely it is for somebody to have an adverse reaction or die or anything from that. I've seen articles legitimately being like, well, based on other vaccines, your percentage, it's like, this is a different vaccine. Like you don't actually know. They should at least say, we don't know, but we're guessing here. Um, and it just upsets me because I just feel like, well, it is like legally, it's your right to know the truth about the vaccine. And I think that so many people don't realize the actual, like how it could actually impact you. Like, I think some people are going to these clinics and these pop-up places, which I don't understand. I obviously don't know much about this whole situation. So this could, there could be a very obvious answer to this question, but why, by the way, could they not set up like temporary hospitals to help people who are struggling, who are sick, um, but they can set up these temporary little vaccine clinics. Like I get that you would need less to do a vaccine clinic, but it just kind of doesn't make sense. And like, if you could have set that up, you couldn't you have done something else. But regardless, yeah, I just don't think that a lot of people realize that something could happen to you. Now, like I said, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I just, there's no, there's no way that we can know how this impacts you. And there's also legit no scientific evidence. Like if you look at the, the HWO, you look at Anthony Fauci, like they've all said that there, you will still have to wear a mask, that all the vaccine can maybe do, because yeah, they really don't know for sure. What they think it can do is stop you from having any of the like reactions if you actually catch um, COVID-19. Or I actually, it's SARS-CoV-2 is what you would catch, but then COVID-19 is when you would have those symptoms that everyone is having. So it would stop you from potentially having symptoms. So it makes sense originally for people who are actually really old, who are very likely to catch it and have an adverse reaction. Because normally like your immune system will be able to fight this if you're a healthier person. But a lot of old people, obviously they're older, so their immune system just isn't as strong. But now they're even issuing statements based on all of the bad reactions people are having. Then they're, they're saying that maybe if you are old, you shouldn't even get the vaccine. It's like, that's realistically the only people who need it. I know that everyone thinks that we all need to get it to get herd immunity, but there's literally no science that it will stop you from actually being able to catch the disease or spread the disease. So if anything, it's going to create more asymptomatic spread, which is like what's so difficult about the situation really. So it's like only going to make the situation worse. And everyone thinks that it's the solution. And I feel like people are almost getting guilted in some places to get the vaccine. Like you're being forced to because you, otherwise you can't go to work anymore. And it's just really fucked because there's literally no way to even know if this is going to help the situation. And there's a lot of evidence that shows that it, you could also have a really bad reaction to it. But again, most of the media isn't sharing this. Most of the media people don't even understand like any of that that I said, I mean, I barely understand it, but they don't even know that. They honestly think that 
the vaccine is going to be, is the God that's going to save us from this. And I mean, they'll find out very soon that that's just not actually going to be the case either. Um, so I don't know what the solution is, but what I think is that we should be able to talk about this vaccine without being labeled an anti-vaxxer because it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm pro-science and there are science that backs up a lot of other vaccines, but there's hardly any yet to back up this vaccine and it is so new. They just literally can't have done enough tests. Like there's, they haven't. <laughs> there's so much fucked up information, you guys. And like I said, I don't know if mainstream media is evil i really hope that they're not you know but they are paid so it's like well how much can i really trust you anyways because of that like that's always the case like how many meat places make studies and articles about how meat is actually really good for you and it's like there's also a lot of science that shows that that isn't the case and those people aren't biased so again we don't know the truth because there are these motherfuckers who like to spread lies <laughs> i really feel like we could know the truth or the truth as we currently know it a lot better if it wasn't for that issue but anyways that's just the ramble aside the what i want to be clear is you should do your own research about anything you put in your body including a vaccine which there's always risks for any vaccine anyways so um if you if all of that sounds like absolute bullshit just research it and check it out for yourself because it's i mean it's all factual and true i mean i might have miss said something because I didn't write this down properly but you get the ideas that there we are just not being told the whole info and if you're gonna get the vaccine I think that it's your right to know um and to then make that assessment as to whether you think the risks outweigh the benefits for you personally I literally haven't gotten a flu shot since I was like 10 and I literally haven't gotten a cold since I was like 15 so I feel very certain that my immune system is going to be fine here and like I said, if it's not even going to stop me from spreading the back, from spreading the virus, um, and it could also make me die, like there's, <laughs> there's no reason in my mind as to why I would be taking the vaccine, but you can make up your own mind. You do whatever you want to do. That's totally okay. I just feel as a person who does work online and share my opinions that I've got to at least tell you guys where, how I see it as of right now. And I just think the whole misinformation kind of thing is really silly because there's literally so many mainstream things that are spreading misinformation. And also, like I said about meat, I'm alive and I don't eat meat. So do you need meat? Will you die of protein? Clearly, at least based on my other research and everything and my own existence and everyone else's, no, that's just like bullshit. And yet that's just a lot of mainstream media will tell you that as well. Like it's just people make mistakes and people who write in all these news articles are people so it's very likely that they can make a mistake and so just look into it yourself in addition you know i'm not saying ignore all the papers i still read everything because i like to know what everyone else is thinking and then what i think but um, that's all i just think that it's important that you really understand what you're putting in your body i think that's everyone's right and like literally the doctors should be explaining that more than they seem to be doing um, again, so many people I've had like messaging me being like, I'm a doctor, so I know. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but there's all these other doctors who are a doctor just like you. And they're saying that it's not good for me. So why would I just trust you? Because you're a doctor when there's all these other doctors saying the opposite. Same thing with like so much to do with health. There's so many regular normal doctors who like don't know anything about nutrition at all. And they're just trained to like prescribe you medication. Like, it's not that I don't have respect for doctors so they do it's just i don't think that just because you're a doctor it means that i should get on my knees and worship every word you say i think that i can take that 
doctor's word and that doctor's word and that doctor's word and all these other doctor's words and make up my own mind. (laughs) And I think that that is what everyone should be allowed to do. And especially if so many of the doctors who are actually speaking out and speaking the truth as I see it at least are being censored and deleted and defamed, I feel like it's my duty as a person online who actually cares about you to tell you the truth as I currently see it and to let you know that um, depending on how you're getting your information, you might not have been told the whole story. So yeah, I just I feel like I have to just mention that. I'm getting so many so much hate from people who are like, oh, you have like one article. And then they'll send me like the BBC article back. And I'm like, you know that the BBC is legitimately like paid media? Like I just, I'm not gonna just assume that that's true from one article when there's legitimately a million scientific journals and papers and other things that are saying opposite. Like, again, I don't think I'm right. I'm just saying there's info that says both sides of the story. And a lot of the time, media doesn't tell the other side of the story at all. It's really unfair. It's really annoying. I feel like the best papers would tell you, so these people are saying this, and these people are saying this, and, um, you know, like showing both sides of the info. But what they'll often say is like, oh, this person is a conspiracy theorist. And like, that's it. They won't like say, well, this is what they believe. And this, maybe this is why we don't believe it. Sure. But they just like don't share any of that. So you're not even actually showing the other side of the perspective I don't know I just think I'm really I just feel every day like more and more disappointed in mainstream media and news and um at least very glad that shit like this exists and YouTube exists although probably I wouldn't be surprised if somebody at YouTube thinks that I'm spreading misinformation now and wants to delete this video but that's so bullshit like literally (laughs) it makes me so scared because like I said, what is a fact? Everybody can tell you and can point to science that will tell you this is a fact or the opposite is a fact. So I just don't think that like YouTube should have the power to decide what should be deleted or not. But alas, I don't run YouTube. So I guess nobody cares about my opinion there, but that's what I think. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, I really want to talk to you guys about the actual um, subject for today's video because it is so fascinating to me. And you will understand why I had to tell you guys about Ishmael yesterday as well uh, first, because this is the most insane thing I think I've ever believed in my entire life. (laughs) But, but the same way I kind of thought maybe I was insane for thinking that I would be okay being vegan and now I'm alive. Maybe I'm onto something here. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I really don't know. And um, we'll get into it. I think that there might be ways that we could find out scientifically if this is accurate but I don't think there's really enough yet to say yes or no, but it's a really cool concept. And if it is real, it'd be really sick. So I'm gonna tell you guys about it either way, because even if it isn't real, it's a really cool way to approach life and view your life. And it's really helped me in the last like two months since I first read this book to make make sense of my life and see it in a bit of a different perspective and in a more positive light as well. So um, if this kind of hits that, ball hits the ball you know if this like clicks with your mind and makes sense I think you're gonna absolutely love this if this sounds insane then it'll just sound insane to you but for those of you who is like oh maybe I think you'll actually really get some benefit out of it so hopefully I explain this well enough because I just think it's such it's so awesome and there's so many other books as well on it that I'm reading now and it's just one of my favorite things to research in 2021 apparently because it's just super cool um let me have a sip of 
a little sip of all my three drinks that I have here and then I'll be right back. So like I said, I'm going to still be looking at my notes for those of you who are watching. Hopefully it's not too weird. It's too weird. Hopefully it's not too weird. But as you can see, I'm clearly not good with words <laughs> in the moment. So it's just a bit easier when I write shit down. But um, when we get to talking about my life a little bit more, I just have more dot jots and I'll kind of improvise and see if I can explain what's happening in my head actually in words we'll see we'll see <laughs> so i only recently read this book and this was my first time reading about this sort of topic at all and it's just really really honestly fucked me up like i thought ishmael which was last week's episode hopefully you saw that was the book that fucked me up but this was definitely another one along with civilized to death those are like the three books if you want your whole brain they could just be fucked up those are the books to read um yeah i just think this is so cool and i'm really really excited to talk to you guys about it and then hear your thoughts Again, I don't think there's any way we can know for sure that this is or isn't true yet. So just be cool to hear whether it, it makes sense to you or sounds absolutely crazy to you. And yeah, I really need to preface this episode because I think especially at the beginning, I'm going to sound like an absolute crazy lady. But when I first started reading this book, I was like, yeah, okay, as if. But then I read the entire book and I was like, whoa, wait a second. And then I did more research and I was like, hold the fuck up. Is this real? Again, we don't know, but it'd be really cool. So I really want you to have the same information I have and then let me know if you think it's still BS or maybe real. Either way, I think we should all live like this because it will just make us way better people and make the world way better as well. And yeah, so that's why I wanted to tell you guys about the book Ishmael first because especially if you were listening to that or you've already read the book and you were like, oh yeah, that made some good points. Hopefully this will make you a little bit more open-minded with regards to this concept because I just think it is very clear that a lot of what we're told to be absolute truth in fact is actually bullshit and then the other way around as well where things that we're told is absolute bullshit turns out to be absolute fact so i just think it's always a good idea to like um keep an open mind and investigate what at least um is curious to you and sounds cool to you and you know make your own mind so <laughs> you couldn't already tell with me jumping around this subject, this video is going to be about the makeup of the universe, our lives as souls, <laughs> how we all reincarnate, along with what that means for things like gender, suicide, and the future of the human race. And it's just really, really so fascinating to me. And it makes me have so many cool thoughts about the world um, as a result of viewing it this way. So um, yeah, I think this will be fun. Oh, I can hear Kitty at the door. So now I don't know if you're religious or just super minded and you're like, hmm, doesn't sound crazy to me, Gwen. But if you were like me growing up, you'd probably just like stop listening right now. Um, because seriously, I may seem like a dumbass hoe, <laughs> like obviously, but I really do like to think through shit, look at the science and all of that jazz. And I just really want to un understand as much as I possibly can. So, so far, this idea has passed the smell test for me, and I'm super shook, but obviously, as with realistically all my beliefs, they're still fluid, and you could tell me something that I forgot to think of, or some science that I missed, and I mean, I'm always down to change my ideas as I learn more. Like, every day I learn something new that makes me cancel out old beliefs, so they're very fluid in my mind. But yeah, long ass ramble out of the way, let's finally get started so the book i'll show you for those of you who are watching it's called journey of souls it's called journey of souls so it looks like here by dr michael newton phd so i mean just because you have a phd doesn't mean you're a genius but 
Um, he is a trained therapist and hypnotherapist before he started studying everything that he did to write this book. Oh yeah, so he's a therapist, like I said, and he died back in 2016, which made me so sad because when I first started reading this, I was like, holy shit, I need to interview this guy. So yeah, sadly he's dead, but he did thankfully make an institute where he taught his methods. So I do really want to do a session um, probably a few and I'll film it and let you guys know and then maybe one day I can even interview other people that he trained and stuff if it still interests me as much as it currently does. Hi, you're back. Hello. So this book is essentially an introduction to the soul world. It features something like 30 cases, I think, something like that, that is just a back and forth dialogue between Dr. Newton and his patient that is under hypnosis and communicating with the spirit world and answering his questions about how it all works. Um, I know it sounds so crazy, but please, please stick with me. I swear it's so cool. So what everyone seems to be saying in the book, in the case studies, is that we are actually all souls. And so whatever you die, your soul is just ejected from the top of your head and you just watch your body die. And there's a ton of examples, like just, and there's a ton of examples just in this book where the person is like, whoa, what? I'm not dead. And I can see my body below me like they're like absolutely freaking out trying to comprehend what's happening and then slowly the memories of all their past lives and their life as a soul starts to kind of come in and they realize and they're like oh yeah so you can stick around and watch your funeral if you funeral <laughs> you can stick around and watch your funeral if you want or comfort any loved ones but as soon as you're ready you just kind of let yourself be pulled by this energy back to the spirit world it's sort of described almost like you're in a river and it's just this current that's carrying you along and then upon arrival you're met with all your loved ones in the spirit world and they comfort you and celebrate your returning before you head off to have a conversation with your spirit guide about how well you did in this last life you review all your mistakes opportunities you missed signs you ignored where you went right and how you can improve or what you need to learn or focus on in your next life. And then we can go sometimes 100 or even 200 earth years just studying our past lives before we decide we're ready to embark on a new journey and a new body. And by the way, the spirit world does sound like actual heaven and not heaven like most religions have it where you can get just unlimited candy or sex or whatever you want, at least that's kind of how I understood it. But again, I'm not religious. So my apologies if I'm like completely offending religions there. But that's kind of how I understood heaven as the concept before I read this book. Honestly, that doesn't sound like heaven to me because you would you would get bored fast and it just, you know, like if I could eat all the ice cream in the world and not get fat, I would just, okay. But then I would still be just lying on the couch having this weird, maybe you wouldn't have a body so you wouldn't notice any, I mean... It doesn't matter. What I'm trying to say is the heaven that I understood didn't actually sound like heaven, but this in the book actually does sound like heaven because everything in the spirit world is just literally made up of love and wisdom. Everyone is telepathic, so there's never any misunderstandings or lies, which sounds like, like heaven to me. We all use humor to point out our self-deception and hypocrisy and are always pushing one another to succeed, which is what all the super wise people, by the way, on earth are like, because you don't have to be, you don't have to be miserable. Like, I don't care how terrible you have it. I mean, I do care that, I don't know why I wrote, I don't care. Like I do, but it's just, there is always someone who has it worse and would do literally anything to be in your shoes. 
And by thinking all these negative thoughts, you're only making the situation worse because you're all stressed instead of dealing with the issue with a clear head and open heart. A really good book that kind of explains that is called Waking Up by Sam Harris. I've been reading that. Um, I'm only like halfway through, but so far it's really good and just honestly explains that really well because you could be miserable or you could be happy going through the exact same situation and you will be how obviously you'll be happier if you're happy going through that and then that way you're more focused you're going to be more effective versus if you're all stressed you know you're not thinking clearly yeah I mean I just think that that makes sense already based on everything else I know and that's also another thing I totally think based on this the comedians are old souls because they're just making fun of everyone and always joking about the hypocrisy of it all because realistically I think everything is funny if you look at it from that lens. Like even the most terrible things that have happened to me, if someone made like a joke that was funny, I would laugh because it's just like life is so hard. You need to laugh about the shit you go through. Like there's just no other way to get through it, at least how I see it. So um, yeah, I just think comedians would be old souls based on based on that. So this conversation that you have with your guide when you come back to the spirit world where you kind of review all your mistakes and where you went wrong and right and everything, it's totally chill and full of love. They're super, super caring and understanding, but they do also push you to grow and become a better soul. So one day, once we've learned enough, we'll become a teacher like just like our guide is as well and teach someone who's less advanced as, as a soul and kind of continue like that. So, I mean, like, I know. I know that this might sound absolutely insane, but even he was skeptical at first and was eventually just convinced by the mountains of evidence. He researched this for over 30 years meticulously, going through the transcripts of his sessions to find any evidence of there being a lie or a fabricated story based on someone's, you know, preset beliefs about the afterlife. But they literally, this is why I was really convinced too. They literally all said the exact same thing about the nature of life and reality. And yet they didn't talk to each other beforehand to make sure they all told the same thing. It, it just, they all said the same thing. It'll make more sense when you get to it. But that was another reason why I was like, oh, this makes sense. And also, I just think I was convinced because what I've learned about quantum physics and just mental health and everything about the universe and, you know, how it's made up in science. And again, I know very little about that. But what I do know, uh, which is more than I knew a couple of years ago, you know, is that this so far checks all the like boxes in my mind. Um, okay, so here's a quote from him. I found thoughts about the spirit world held many universal truths among the souls of people living on earth. It was these perceptions by so many different types of people which convinced me their statements were believable. I'm not a religious person, but I found the place we go, where we go after death to be one of order and direction. And I've come to appreciate that there is a grand design to life and afterlife. So... Like I said, he was clearly not a believer. So how on earth did he start to think that this could maybe be real, right? So he would normally use hypnosis and age regression techniques to determine where certain disturbing memories and childhood traumas come from and to help patients control their minds and reduce the pain they feel. Both, which do sound very interesting, by the way. Um, he doesn't really talk about that in the book, though. So I need to like research that separately because... Those both sound like very, very cool techniques. But like I said, he used to be skeptical. So whenever people would ask him to do past life hypnosis, he would always say no because he thought that sort of thing was, and this is his quote, unorthodox and non-clinical. 
So in fact, he thought the whole idea of an afterlife, and this is absolutely what I thought and still sort of think, but I really want this to be real, but I guess it is wishful thinking, but it's based on science, sort of. Ramble. (laughs) In fact, he thought the whole idea of an afterlife was just wishful thinking because we're all afraid to die. Before I read this book was exactly how I felt. I've never, ever been religious. More recently, I did warm up to some aspects of spirituality, like meditation and manifestation and connecting with your inner self, just because they've been proven time and time again by science as of now to be really beneficial for people. And I'm open-minded to lately to the makeup of the universe just as i listen to more scientist podcasts which are my favorite favorite ones and just learned so much trippy shit that doesn't make any sense like it makes no sense to me in my brain at all it's not common sense like how there's absolutely more than three dimensions that we see like how like what what are happening in all the other dimensions i've heard some people think there's up to 14 but we don't know but I wonder if some of those dimensions are maybe the soul world. It kind of gets my thoughts going. And yeah, honestly, like the list goes on with regards to weird scientific facts that trip me out, like simulation theory, quantum mechanics, and leaps. There's a lot of really weird shit about the universe that don't make no sense. And we only have a very, very basic understanding at the moment, honestly. Okay, so back to his discovery story. So one day he was using hypnosis techniques as he normally would to help his patient deal with a lifetime of chronic pain on the right side of his body. He kind of described it very briefly, by the way, because it just sounded super cool. Like you can be hypnotized to almost disassociate with the pain or you can learn to intensify the pain. And then if you're able to intensify it, you can then kind of gain the ability to then minimize it like fully almost so that's what he was originally doing again that was like he it was like one sentence to explain it I need to research that technique more but that's just the total side note because I thought it was kind of cool but yeah so he was using this technique to help his patient deal with a lifetime of chronic pain on the right side of his body and he was trying to get the guy to describe how the pain felt and one thing led to another. And the next thing they had discovered this guy's last life. Now, obviously the moment they weren't certain, but um, as he learned more, it made sense. So how he was a soldier that died during World War II in France by being stabbed a bunch with a bayonet. You guessed it. I mean, you didn't <laughs> on the right side of his body. And so that's where he seemed pretty certain that the pain came from that past life. So then Dr. Newton was able to help him release that pain as a result of this knowledge. Um, And again, it was very brief on this, but I'll learn more as I read other books. I've read another case that kind of explained it because it seems like sometimes if we have pain that can't be explained based like by a doctor or anything, it's because we're, we are, I mean, this might be it. There might be other things, obviously. I'm not trying to diagnose you. I don't know, but it can't be explained is because we're fucking up our lives and or have trauma that we need to heal from or something like that and it's our and so this pain that we're feeling from what I understand is sort of like a message from our spirit guides who are trying to send us this message to be like look something is wrong you know yeah like I said I was reading this different book recently with a case study where the doctor was saying this to the spirit guide is it okay now for me to release the pain from her past life And then the spirit guide was like, no, no, leave it for now. And slowly it will dissipate as she starts to go back on the right path. So 
I think sometimes we can be going through pain because we're just not doing what our soul needs us to do almost. And it's just sort of like a message being like, something isn't right here. Don't forget your past life and how you are a soul and how you died in your last life. Or I don't know, something like that. Also, oh my gosh, this is such a fascinating side note. As I said, that guy died in World War II. At least that's what the science, if you will, so far is saying. So many other books that I've been reading where it has just, it's just case studies basically of people talking to the doctor and being hypnotized and kind of communicating. And so many people in our generation, you guys, died in World War II. Assuming this is real, I'm really not trying to offend anybody, but if this is true and it makes sense to me, supposedly so many of our of our generation died like um so it's so common in case studies I've already read so many and like noticed the trend that a lot are from World War II and it makes sense in a way because a lot of people did obviously die like millions I swear it's like 10 million there's an insane amount of people who died in World War II right and from what I understand you then um will go back to the spirit world and study for 50 to 100 200 years depends how long you need and what life you're kind of working your way up to, and then you come back. So that time period makes sense that you'd be gone for at least 50 or 60 years, and then you can come back. So I wonder if I died during World War II, and this is what fucking me up with everything that's going on right now, because it really does feel like we are going more and more down a Marxist ideological path, and yet a lot of people, um, because they've been educated to not notice the flaws in this thinking, um same because I obviously went to university like I studied Simone de Beauvoir and like all the shit that all the other woke people studied and I thought that thought those thoughts until he learned a bit more and started to see some of the holes at least from my perspective in that way of thinking um yeah it's just it's really scary to me the way people are like oh yeah censorship makes sense though sometimes because I'm like no it never does because it's who's deciding what is and isn't okay to be censored like Next thing you know, the government is just going to censor everything that has to do with people questioning their um, decision-making, which, like, in a democracy, we all need to be able to hold our politicians accountable. Otherwise, it's no longer a democracy. And I'm just a little bit afraid that we're going back down a World War II path, and I wonder if this is, like, if this is true, and so many of us on Earth now died from that, I wonder if it's like that we are coming back and this is our second chance to stop authoritarian governments from raising hell over everyone again, you know? Like, I wonder if that's what's going on. And so that's why I feel extra afraid that nobody seems to understand that, like, the thought police are just getting more and more power. And, like, the way that people are literally protesting lockdowns peacefully, the same way BLM protesters, they're somewhere peaceful. Like, I just don't understand that now the media is like, oh, well, all the anti-lockdown people aren't peaceful. But when they were showing BLM, it was all peaceful when we know both of them. Like, it's not always going to always, like, I just think the media is such fucking lying pieces of shit. And I'm not not pro Black Lives Matter. I'm just not pro, like, there's multiple groups within that. And it's just kind of complicated. And I don't really want to go down that pathway today. But what I do think is just... <laughs> The way that people are like, yeah, you got to arrest protesters makes sense when literally no one thought that this time last year when COVID was still happening is very scary because the pro- like we have to be able to protest our government and people are going to jail and getting fined for protesting our government. That's super scary to me. And what's even scarier is how many people I've been like, but censorship, like 
most people, 99% of people are smart enough that if you give them the info, will be able to discount what isn't real. Like I just don't think that you need censorship. And like I said, they're going to then, like the government, once they take that power away and they are able to censor whatever they want, they will start to censor people like me being like, government, you're fucking up right now. And that's super scary. So like, I know that's super, I feel like people are going to get offended by that. I really, really like, there's no, nothing like I, oh God, it's such offensive, such an offendy world we live in. That's not my intention at all. Like, I feel like intentions should matter. And if I'm not intending to upset anyone, then hopefully you can at least take that into account. If you're upset, you don't need to keep watching. But no need to spread hatred back and forth. Because I'm not trying to send hate right now. I'm just trying to say, if that is the case, and it makes sense based on what little I know about this, well, obviously I don't fucking know. But I'm just saying it's a cool thought. And if it is what's happening, like my soul, I think, is trying to tell me that might be what's happening. It might not be. I don't know. But I just think it's cool to think about and scary and all of that. (laughs) Anyways, so now let's just rewind a little bit. Hypnosis is bullshit though, right? So let's talk about hypnosis before we get into any more of this, just because this is how he has got all the information that's shared in this book. And I do want to clear up some thoughts that you might be having about hypnosis being fake as fuck. If you're feeling those feels, you're not alone because I literally totally thought that hypnosis was bullshit. And whenever I saw it being done, I was absolutely convinced it was just paid actors on the stage. Like I really did not think that hypnosis was real at all. (laughs) I really, really did not. It's wild to me now because apparently it like scientifically is real. Um, And I think majority of the scientific community would agree that hypnosis in general can be real. Now, I'm sure they might not agree with every aspect of it, but just actual hypnosis is a real thing. This is how he explained it. So first of all, there's four main states of the brain, and I'm pretty sure there's kind of variations in between, but the four main brain states is beta, which is when we're awake, alpha, which is meditative, Theta, which is used for hypnosis, and then delta, which is when you're asleep. So when someone is put under a hypnotic trance, their brain waves start to slow down and they change vibrations as the mind state shifts from beta to alpha and then to theta. So when we're being hypnotized, people report what they see and hear as literal observations as in versus something inferential where you might make assumptions based on what you're seeing. So it sounds basically like the ultimate lie detector test because when you're in a hypnotized state, you can't tell any lies, only the truth. Now it is obviously possible for people to still misinterpret what they're saying and so tell a lie without the intention of lying. But in general, like you, you can't actually like knowingly not tell the truth, if that makes sense. And, oh my god, side note, if that is true, how come we don't use hypnosis instead of the polygraph test? Because it's, like, I'm, I barely know, I've never actually researched this, but what I have heard is that the polygraph test, for the most part, isn't really that reliable, because it's just sort of like, if you're nervous, but if you're not, if you're like a psychopath and you just don't feel nervous when you're lying or something, then it might not show up. That's kind of how I understood it. So I wonder if, if that is the case, then polygraph isn't half as real as... I used used to think it was, and I think they might have used to think it was ages ago. Um, I wonder why they don't do some sort of hypnotizing thing, if that is real. Like, why don't they hypnotize someone, take them back to the scene of the crime, and like, what were you doing? You can't lie to us right now, so what was actually up? I don't know. There could be a, a very obvious 
answer to that question, but I just like, got me, got my thoughts, got my thoughts spinning. So after Dr. Newton helped that dude who fought in World War II heal up the right side of his body and the pain that he was feeling there, his next groundbreaking discovery in this realm was when, again, sort of by accident, he was hypnotizing a client and he found that he was able to not only communicate with a deeper level of her mind known as her superconscious, and I'm sure you're familiar with the conscious mind, so then we have the subconscious, again, that's like the iceberg that you don't really see the majority of, but then supposedly we also have another layer below that, which is called our superconscious mind, which he kind of basically thinks is our soul. So this inner core is where we find our real, true, full identity, that of our soul, which represents our highest center of wisdom and perspective. This is where we can access all the memories we have of our life in the spirit world. And this is how he's able to then get all this information that he shared by having them go to the spirit or soul world and telling him what they see. Oh yeah, this is a quote from the book. Apparently we all have this thing called our eternal identity and this never leaves us alone in the bodies we choose. In reflection, meditation, or prayer, the memories of who we really are do filter down to us. In small intuitive waves through the cloud of amnesia, we are given clues and we are given clues for the justification of our being. And this sounds super similar, by the way, to what I was, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, internal family systems, like the scientists who researched that sort of um, therapy, which is now very clinically shown to really help people. How he describes it is we all have this one true self, and then we all have these fragments of selves that kind of form in order to protect ourselves over time. But you can really connect to that one true soul and use that to communicate with all other aspects of you. And it kind of knows intuitively how to heal yourself. That one true self calls itself with a capital S that's in internal family systems. But this makes sense to me that it might be like that's our soul. And then all these other parts of us are like the human versions of us that are formed in order to like get through life. But if we connect to that one true soul and that existence, we can find our eternal true identity that isn't mixed up in humanity and in this body and in this life and the people that you know right now, if that makes any sense. I just thought it was really fascinating. Oh yeah, and we have amnesia, by the way, which is just like you don't know anything, like you forget amnesia. I think you know that word. <laughs> um, to, and this is the reason for this, he describes, is to help the soul and the human mind merge to ensure that we make new, make a new identity and we're not focused on the old or caught up in revenge or anything like that. So that's hypnosis and how that works. Hopefully that makes sense. So apparently hypnosis is real. And if it is real, like I said, he has 30 case studies here that he like just chose out of the thousands that he had. And there's so many other books as well that have other case studies that I'm currently going through. I wonder if hypnosis is scientifically accepted, how many of these hypnosis conversations would they need to do with people before we decided that maybe this was actually real? Like, I don't know, but I feel like you could figure this out scientifically, whether it is true or not. And I just can't even imagine the implications of the world if we could find that out. So anyways, let me go back to the soul world and explain that a little bit for you because it's just super cool to think about if this is real. It's just so, so fascinating. So 
there is a mini god and this is not the term that he used i don't really know what he used but this just makes sense for me to explain it in my brain so there's a mini god that created this universe that we all live in right now and everything in it so that includes us you know the earth all the other planets around us and then there's other mini gods who also have their own universe that they take care of and there realistically could be an infinite amount of universes we have no idea at this point but that does also align with science because you know how I, I don't know how ideas spread and stuff, but what I learned is that there is definitely not just the one universe. Scientists believe now that there's a lot more and we don't, like, they don't really know how many more universes there could be, which is freaking insane when you think about how ginormous the fucking universe is and there's more of them. It's so mind-blowing. Like, as if we didn't know that our little human life problems were were not important like it's just to then realize how many other universes there were it's like wow you really are just an ant floating in the sky like nothing is that important it's so so strange to think about but yeah so there could be an infinite amount of universes and then there's a higher god above that whom i assume is the og creator but it's possible that there's even more levels in between so anyways these mini gods who made this universe also made our spiritual being or our soul from their own being or energy force you might refer to it as and apparently we learn yeah this is actually super fascinating i think it was in a it might have been in this book actually but supposedly as souls we're all just like constantly learning and growing and trying to get better and something that we do when we're in the soul world um as part of school and learning is we'll go to planets and we'll literally use our energy to somehow form things like so we start off with rocks and then I guess eventually as you become really good at using your energy to like combine shit you're eventually just good enough that you think god is like yeah sure here you go go off and make your own little universe now I don't know but it kind of fucks me up it's really really trippy to think about but I have heard a lot of physics scientists think that there just has to be some sort of spiritual aspect to life because of how unlikely it is for all, and I don't know what the elements are, <laughs> but for all the different elements that were required to make the Big Bang at the start of the universe, how like rare and unlikely it was that those would all come together to form the universe. And so if that's the case, it just, that also makes sense because yeah, we, it is rare for that to happen. So what actually happens is that this god or mini god uses its energy to form and bring them all together. And that it is, I guess, rare that by chance everything would just kind of form and bang, a universe, right? And then again, makes sense if there are lots of mini gods making their own universes. Like it actually doesn't make sense how unlikely it is that this universe was formed based on that, if that is true. <laughs> that like how unlikely all the elements came together it makes more sense as well if there are multiple universes that like then how extra unlikely is that that those things came together multiple times so perhaps it does make sense that they don't it's very at least rare that it happens by chance and what actually it is is many gods using their energy to form all of those things together and then poof a new universe is born this is all speculation, but it's just super fascinating, don't you think? Yes. Okay, so the reason our mini god creator made us imperfect to start off with is so that over time through each human life, we are able to grow and develop into a spirit that eventually fully embodies godliness. So, you know, that's just basically what is wisdom and love. I think that's what godliness is, you know, where you're wise and so full of love. That's, you know... <laughs> It'll make more than this as we go, I promise. And apparently, this is the point of 
this life and all our past lives is to simply learn lessons and advance until we become whole and godly and we have built a strong mind with the ability to persevere listen to your soul and do the right thing in every moment it's like the universe is just a school to learn to be nice and productive in what matters most basically which I mean, if that is true, that is just fucking cool. Don't you think? And such a beautiful blue sky that came out of nowhere. Is it the universe being like, thank you for sharing the truth, Gwen? You're welcome, universe. <laughs> I must seem insane, you guys. <laughs> ah, this is what happens when you're just happy. You just seem insane to most people. Okay, so it is possible at least that one of you watching this are a brand new soul and this is your absolute first life. But from what I understand, that's very, very rare. And usually most of us have at least a few lifetimes already under our belts. Oh, and have been incarnating on earth already for thousands of years, which is just wild to think about. Like if that is true, like we've been around for so much history that we don't even know about. It's really cool. And some souls are even older and have been on earth for like, or incarnating in lives on earth over time for between 70,000 to 100,000 years. Fucking insane. I know. And there are also, oh my God, you guys, this is what is so fucking fascinating. Extra. There's also, this was very rare examples mentioned, but um, I guess it makes sense because our only access to this info is souls that are incarnating in the human form that we can then interview. So there's a lot of information that we could maybe have access to that we don't have access to. But apparently there are some people that are on this earth that did incarnate in the past on other planets and in other types of bodies. Like there was this one really, really cool example of this world they were describing where they were these sort of water creatures like dolphins or I don't know, something like that. And they lived underwater, but it wasn't like Earth where it was kind of scary underwater in the dark there because it's really, well, it's dark. Duh. It's really dark underwater, right? Like I just couldn't live super down at the bottom of the ocean. I would just like wouldn't be able to see. I'd be afraid. But the way they described this planet was there's three suns around it. So I'm pretty sure that the dude said this couldn't be in our solar system based on, or at least in solar system and then universe, right? So maybe it's in our universe, but not in our solar system science i can't wait to interview scientists and learn more about this you guys like there's three suns on this planet and so it was just super fun the way they were describing how much they enjoyed that life living underwater and how you could actually see everything and it was just really nice again it's just so so crazy like you could have been an alien <laughs> how fucking fascinating is that right and i don't think i have this written down so let me say this while i remember like I said, there's a million other universes with potentially other forms of life. And if I remember, remember Ishmael in the last week's episode, how I, the argument of the book is basically that everything kind of constantly is growing towards being more and more complex and constantly evolving. So over time, perhaps the God's intention for planet Earth is for there to be lots and lots of beings like me and you who can think intelligently and are self-aware and are conscious. But perhaps the goal is for not just humans to be like that, but for there to be lots and lots of other types of creatures and beings. And if that is true, it makes sense because from what I understood, they kind of look for planets and places where, where there might be some sort of body that would be beneficial for souls to learn and to grow. And so the more self-aware and conscious that being is, the better it is for a soul just because then like it's just harder, you know, like 
cats that don't have to like have an existential crisis every morning. It's just easier, right? So apparently being a human is one of the hardest and being on earth is one of the hardest things that we can do as souls, which um, was very nice to read because I'm like, right? Life is fucking hard. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, Yeah, let's see. Oh yeah, and in the book, everyone is also super brief about the purpose of life, but it sounds like it's just for the sake of it, for fun, to just spread love, sort of why anyone might have kids or you get an animal or you just do something in the service of others. You're not really getting anything out of it other than just helping others just because it's a nice thing to do. So I think that that might have been the OG God's thought was just like, why the heck not? It'll be fun, like, you know? Um, and so this is just God's way of sharing their love and wisdom. And we are all kind of like it's little babies or maybe there's the big God and then the mini God and we're the mini God's little baby. So maybe God is our grand parent instead, but (laughs) are you even listening anymore? I don't know, but I really think this is so fascinating. And, uh, but yeah, if that is the case, again, like we are all just one big giant organism made out of the same energy. And that is definitely true that we are all made out of the same atoms as anything else that ever existed on earth. So it kind of all makes sense scientifically ish, you know? And okay, I know this is so crazy to think about, but seriously, once we get into the case studies in a second, I think you might be convinced. I mean, I don't know, let me know, but I totally think that I kind of am convinced. And I mean, I also just want this to be true. So I'm like, extra biased towards it I recognize but it would just be fucking sick if this was real you guys <laughs> um okay so case study number one I'm gonna try and just whip out the book so I can read you this one example before we continue telling you a bit more because this was just um this was the very first case study at the very beginning after the intro and it was just it got me hooked I remember reading this on the treadmill being like whoa tell me more <laughs> Okay, so there you go. Chapter one, death and departure. Case number one. This is the subject. Oh my God, I'm not really dead, am I? I mean, my body is dead. I can see it below me, but I'm floating. I can look down and see my body lying flat on the hospital bed. Everyone around me thinks I'm dead, but I'm not. I want to shout, hey, I'm not really dead. This is so incredible. The nurses are pulling a sheet over my head. People I know are crying. I'm supposed to be dead, but I'm still alive. It's strange because my body is absolutely dead while I'm moving around it from above. I'm alive. (laughs) And then he goes on to watch um, their funeral and everything. And it's it's just cool. So by the way, if any of you have ever had, I haven't had anyone particularly close to me die. I've had people in my family die, but I'm not really close to anyone in my family because I had a weird family life. Um, So I've never really had anyone they've been super close to die other than like River, (laughs) which was sad. And I guess I kind of did feel that comforting. What I was going to say is if you've ever had somebody die, have you felt this sort of comforting feeling at some point after? Like they describe it though is if you are in so much grief, you're not present enough to pick up on the messaging. But maybe after the funeral when you've kind of calmed down and you're a little bit less hysterical, you might be able to receive this message that the person who died, their soul will kind of be waiting until you're ready and if they want to comfort you and they'll send you like, I'm okay, I'm alive. It's going to be fine. We'll be together again one day. I love you. Like they'll be kind of sending you these comforting thoughts before they leave the earth world entirely just because they want to make sure that you're actually okay, which makes sense, right? So have any of you gone through that and felt that kind of feeling? Um, I'd be interested to know because that's how they described it in the book. But again, I've never, I've never experienced that to say whether that makes sense to me or not. But it, it just made sense in terms of 
like it's sounding like it makes sense, but I've never experienced it is what I'm trying to say. So let me know if that rings a bell in your mind. It'd be, it'd be fascinating to know. Okay, so back to why humans. I think I was kind of explaining this and I didn't realize. So apparently, humans are a really good host body for souls because it allows for a lot of self-expression and stuff like that. Like I was saying, you know, being aware of yourself and everything. And because if a soul only knew, this is another reason why our creator made us imperfect. Just because learning is like a part of the beauty. I mean, I really fucking love learning, so I feel that. So, but um, if a soul only knew love, peace, and wisdom, as in what's in the spirit world, and what I think, if I understand it correctly, souls are basically just love and wisdom. I mean, we're not whole and fully godly yet, so like we still have learning to do, but in the spirit world, like I said, there's no arguments, there's no need to lie or deceive anyone. Like that's just, it doesn't happen like that. Everyone is so honest and they present themselves fully as their weird, wacky self, which I fucking hate like small talk and I just hate normal life stuff like that because I don't want to pretend to be some somebody who's normal like I'm not normal and I'm so tired of pretending to be normal so that's why I just don't like normal social situations but yeah that's why is because if we only knew love and peace then we would gain no insight and never truly appreciate the value of these positive feelings so that's why we come to earth to feel all the negative emotions attached to human life because like I said if I understand it correctly human human body gives us all the negative emotions but as a soul all we know is love and peace and magic life you know and so we can strengthen our soul over time as we learn to better overcome and stay true to our soul instead of letting our human emotions and um, urges take over so the goal is to avoid succumbing to those human impulses that we all have thanks to our monkey mind something that's sometimes referred to because i've read a million books on this recently so sometimes they call it like the lizard brain or simply the resistance or animal instincts or now in that therapy I just learned about, um, the parts within your mind that are maybe not truly you versus your true self with a capital S. <laughs> so the monkey mind or all those other kinds. And this is, again, in a million other books, like this is scientifically like definitely a thing. Maybe not the exact specifics of it all, but we do all have like a monkey mind that kind of ruins everything basically. <laughs> So this is the part of the mind that drives fear and violence into our hearts. It's focused solely on surviving and passing on your genes. And therefore, literally all it cares about is sex, eating food, preserving energy, like it just wants you to be lazy basically, and keeping out the dangerous unknown other. So that's the part of you that might um, like be racist or something like that, you know? Whereas obviously a soul, like if, if this is all real, then duh, racism we already knew was dumb as fuck. But if this is real, then any kind of discrimination of any kind when it comes to a physical body, I mean, I guess we already knew it's dumb as fuck because you just get no say. But what I think is cool is if this is all true, what we actually are as actual beings is just a soul. We don't have a body. So all the judgments we feel about the way a person looks is extra dumb based on this as well, which I just think is cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is the part of you that sends the impulse to fight or flight, to eat when you're not hungry, which is me all the fucking time. Because <laughs> you never know when food will be available again because, you know, back in hunter-gatherer days, if you saw a million blueberries, you would want to eat like a bunch of them because you just didn't know. I mean, I guess based on Ishmael, it might not have been as hard as you thought. But you know what I mean? Like the human instinct is to eat 
when you see food, there is no instinct to, oh, you know, I know there'll be food there tomorrow because I guess realistically you don't know 100% if there would be food there tomorrow. So the point is to always kind of be eating just in case. But obviously now we live in the world where we're like surrounded by all the food in the world and it's like the opposite. I mean, in this modern world, that's super, super strange, eh? Like there are people legitimately starving to death and then there are people like me who are like trying to not eat everything that I want to eat. It's very, very weird world. (laughs) Or it's the same part of your mind that also just wants you to fuck someone who's hot, even though you're in a committed, loving relationship and realistically you don't want to and you will regret it because it's going to ruin everything. But just in that moment, it takes over, you know? Or the part that's xenophobic or something where you just want to push away anyone or anything that you maybe don't understand just out of fear. Not to mention the human brain is just also, like, just being a human is annoying. It's a bottomless fucking pit of want for material items or for power or status or drugs or alcohol. Like, you fucking name it. Nothing is ever good enough for the human. Nuh-uh. It's called the hedonic treadmill or I've heard something else. Hedonic adaptation I think is what it is so just as humans we adapt really really quickly so you might think oh if I got a pool that's it and then I'm gonna actually finally be happy yeah a pool I I feel that I feel that but you know (laughs) then you get the pool and then you're used to it now and so now there's something else that you want and it's just there's always gonna be something else you know you climb to the top of the mountain and you think once I get there I see that view oof it's gonna be sweet I'm gonna finally be happy but then when you get to the top you see that there's just 10 more mountains that you gotta climb it never ends it never ends so the point is to enjoy the journey and like all the spiritual things that I learn point to that all the spiritual things that I've learned point to living your life the way that this book implies you should live your life which is just mind-boggling to me because I'm like whoa so are these is this all true It's, it's very fascinating okay so despite the annoying fact that the human brain is crazy at least we do have free will and the ability to resist these foolish, annoying temptations. And that is thanks to a couple of things. First of all, because of the most recent evolution of our animal brains, we grew a prefrontal cortex that is often referred to as our willpower muscle. It's what allows us to say no to such animalistic thoughts like eating the entire jar of cookies when you know that you will regret it in 10 minutes, you know? We evolved to have our prefrontal cortex. I don't know when, I'd be interested to know that, but we evolved to have this prefrontal cortex so that we could all cooperate together and get along and share and be successful as a tribe because really now the world we live in is very individualistic, but like you obviously can't survive without so many other people. Like you need people to share the burden of life in order to actually exist. Like you need someone who's gonna prep the food and someone who's gonna, like we all need to just work together in order to succeed. I think that's pretty obvious, right? I feel like the prefrontal cortex is probably the same as our super conscious and therefore where our actual soul is located because supposedly, if I understand it correctly, our prefrontal cortex is kind of like at the very top of your forehead or like um, crown of your head right here. And that's also apparently where your soul is located. Like they describe your soul being ejected from like your forehead. So it kind of, I'm like, whoa, is that also like the same? Because again, it would just make sense as well. But I don't know. It's all like speculation as like all of this realistically is. 
But this is our highest reasoning source, the prefrontal cortex, which is also the role the soul plays, which again is why I'm like, maybe these are the same. Oh yeah, so this does also make me wonder, you guys. Let me know, have you heard the theory? And this is, you know, just some people think this because I think most people don't spend their time just pondering life like some people do. But I, I'm definitely one of those people. The, I've heard a theory that aliens maybe came to Earth when we were still apes and they gave us, you know, some sort of knowledge or something that was able to allow us to speed up our evolution as animals and become more um, human. And I wonder if perhaps they plopped, that's when they started plopping souls into our bodies and that is what is our prefrontal cortex. But obviously I realize it's part of the brain. I hope this makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I really don't know the specifics of how it would work, but it kind of makes sense to me. And that person, like a god who came to the earth to plop souls into bodies would have been an alien, right? Like if an alien is just something that's not native to this planet. I mean, yeah, it sounds really, really cool because our prefrontal cortex is what separates us from other animals. And as far as we know, no other animal on earth has this extra ability. But I mean, I'm not totally convinced that like have they actually studied every single animal to know for sure? I don't think they have, especially the ocean. I feel like there's got to be so many creatures in the water that we still don't know. So I mean, yeah, as far as we know, there is another animal that has the prefrontal cortex, but I'm sure there is on other planets and there might be on this planet, but we don't, we don't know yet. But despite the benefits of our prefrontal cortex, life is still really fucking hard because without, and I think this is our world makes it way harder because without um, proper knowledge and training, it's just really, really hard to control the monkey mind. And we are not taught that at all. We need to be taught meditation in school. Like that needs to be number one because you are so much more productive if you're able to actually focus and not let your mind go all over the place. It's just like, that's so valid and true. And not to mention our culture also just does look down upon any of these ideas as crazy. Like I know that our culture is religious, but I think maybe this is totally not true. Are people who are religious, do they genuinely believe like the story and the book and everything happened? Or is it more that they just like to believe in something and so they just choose that? Um, if that even made sense. I just, I do think that our culture doesn't believe about God and the spiritual world. Like, I feel like that's more common of a belief than not. But again, that's just in the Western world, obviously. But I think because we're so focused on science, science, science. And if there is no scientific study that proves something, it's like not real. But it's like, well, there's just also not been enough scientific studies on everything ever. So you can't, that's not necessarily the case. And just because there's no evidence on it that it's not true, you know? Um, yeah, so anyways, I think that our, our culture in general does just look at these ideas as crazy, but perhaps that is my perspective and I'm wrong there. I don't know. Um, and, but I definitely think that <laughs> the common modern world here definitely trains us to basically have ADHD, just constantly jumping from one poor source of dopamine to the next and being so busy working, commuting, running one kid here and there, cleaning and all that shit that we just don't have time to sit and be calm and listen to what our soul is trying to tell us. Because like I read earlier, through meditation or through prayer, and I, I feel like what I understand of praying, um, it's sort of similar to meditation because you are just sort of trying to silence your mind and focus on a thought. And so they're, they're sort of similar. And it makes sense that with something like meditation, I know that I personally felt those trickles of why I exist to kind of slowly be sent maybe from my soul guide, maybe from my soul. 
I don't know, but that, those thoughts do come to me in those moments where I think, maybe, maybe, you know? And again, I'm very new to meditating, so I just wonder, like, if I got way better at it, would I be able to really just, like, connect fully with my soul and my soul guide and be amazing? I think so. Um, based on everyone else who does meditate, like, they're just way happier, so you should still do it regardless if this is true, but this is true then it sounds like meditation is just like next level level really good anyways (laughs) don't have time to sit and listen to what our soul wants us to know but i think through meditation and things like that we can actually find out what what our soul is trying to say without this time in conjunction with the lack of education it's so so easy to lose connection with our souls and go down the wrong path wasting our lives away being grumpy and miserable like I feel like so many people are just grumpy and miserable and definitely if this is real the plan is not for you to be grumpy and miserable in this life at all I mean maybe in moments because going through shitty things makes you appreciate good things like there is benefits to shitty things we'll get there but I think in general like we do all have a way that we can be the happiest possible in this life. But I do feel like instead, society just teaches us that we should be mindless, depressed cogs in the machine to just make the powers that be more and more money and not actually live our free will and our true soul lives, if that makes sense. So yeah, hopefully we can change our common belief systems just because seeing as hope, so how beneficial it is to be taught something like meditation, at school, um, I think would be epic. And it's definitely something that I personally, unless somebody else changes the school system, it's something that I definitely need to work on before I have kids because I ain't send them, sending them there if it's the current way that it is. Because school fucked me up. It didn't help me in any way. <laughs> but another thing we have going for us in this life, in addition to having our prefrontal cortex, supposedly we all also have our own personal spirit guide a teacher who is watching over us and sending us messages thoughts ideas signs signals anything to keep us on the right path and i know this sounds crazy doesn't it? it's sort of like a guardian angel almost like i said i was never like seriously never religious at all and never the kind of person who would have believed this normally but one reason this sort of thing or like god and religion sounded so unrealistic to me was because I just didn't think that there was any way that this one almighty God would waste their precious time listening to prayers from a loser like me, you know? Like, it just, it didn't ever make sense to me. If there was one God, there's no way they would care to listen to me of all the people they could be listening to, you know? I do remember praying, it's very rare, maybe I can count it maybe like 10 at the most times in my life. But I do remember praying when I was younger a couple of times as a kid when my home was just like such a mess and I really had nothing else to do and nothing else to turn to. And it was like my last hope of like, I don't know, I guess I'll pray and hope somebody will help me in my situation. I I didn't even think that necessarily anyone would listen or that that was working. Like I've just never understood how you could pray to a God and that God would be listening and then help you out. Like that sounded like such nonsense to me. In those moments when I was praying as a kid, my prayers are rarely answered, but maybe it's just that your prayers, it takes a long time to answer those prayers. Cause now I feel like my prayers have been answered. It took, took 20 years, but now I'm like, yes, life. I like it. Okay. I see what, I see what people were talking about, you know? So maybe it just takes forever. I don't know. But anyways, that one belief. And again, I'm really not trying to offend anyone if they have like a religion. Like, again, I don't know supposedly based on this book that belief that I did have that there is this one god but they were just absolutely too busy for me is true 
according to this book. But, you know, obviously I don't know. Please don't. But instead of there being this one God, we all get instead. This just sounds way better to me anyways. We all get our own personal spirit guide who is basically a God because we're we're all gods. Like we're all from that energy source. But then over time, as we become like better souls, we become gods. And then eventually once you're like, 10 out of 10 soul level you you don't come back to earth anymore and you stop incarnating so that's another reason why we don't know about um the necessary like why does the universe exist and like all those big questions because usually the souls who are incarnating on earth don't know the answer to that because they're not high enough up to know and once you get high enough up to potentially know you're at the point now where you stop incarnating on earth because now you're just like fully a god and doing god things. I don't know what that is, but you know, running the universe and shit like that. Our spirit guide is essentially a god as well. Um, just, you know, a minier god <laughs> than, the, than the big one, one god. They've already, they're already bigger than us as a soul. Like they're higher up on the tier just because they've already gone through a lot of lives as a soul and they've already grown and they're already a lot smarter. And they've been through what we've been through already. So they're able to empathize with us as well. Like so many times I've seen examples of people being like, I fucked up in my life. And then the person, their soul guide, it's like, I get it, honey. I get it. I did that too. Don't worry. Don't give up. Like you'll, you'll get there like I did eventually, you know, just like the spirit world sounds like just so nice and loving and it's really sweet. It makes my heart feel happy. And then eventually, like I can't, I think I said this already. Eventually as we eventually, when we get better as souls, we'll then become a teacher as well. And then, you know, obviously the better of a teacher we get, the higher up in levels of people we teach but you'll start off teaching like super brand new baby souls and you know you work your way up so anyways this personal guide mini god whoever you want to call it teacher sends you signs and tries to guide you along the path and this might shook you up guide you along the path you initially intended when you originally chose this life yeah you heard me you chose this life apparently okay and i know that probably sounds that I don't know I guess it depends where you are in your life but you might think that that sounds like the most absolute far-fetched thing in the entire world and there's no freaking way that you could have ever chosen this life like no way if you are thinking any of those thoughts then you're basically me from a few years ago because I never ever would have thought that I would have chosen my parents or to look like I look or any of the things that have happened I never would have thought that I would have chosen that like I was like this is hell and I feel like I'm in hell and why would I like why would I have chosen this so I never would have believed you a few years ago so if you are feeling those things you might just not be at a place yet in your life where that will make sense um because me five years ago I would have been like shut the hell up like so I get it but if you are at a place where you look back and you can kind of recognize the shitty things that you went through and how you might have grown or learned from them like um let me tell you this one little example about my life. Cause like I said, I am really genuinely happy right now, but I did go through a lot of shit when I was younger, but at the time I hated it. But now I'm able to look back and just really appreciate and love, um, the shit that I went through. I mean, I'm going to love it, but I can do I just, I can see how I could have chosen it because I, it made me so hardworking. Like I would not be where I am today. I don't think if, if I didn't go through that, because all I could think about like every day was how I just wanted to move out when I was older and finally have my own life and not be here and it made me so hard working like I, I was so hard working for that reason alone you know um and it made me super super empathetic because I saw people hurt me 
that I loved, but they hurt me. And then I saw those same people who hurt me also be hurt by other people. And I saw that like cycle of pain getting repeated on people and people and people. And I've, again, like I said, I loved those people who hurt me. So I was able to just feel empathy on a different level than I think some people learn to feel just because, yeah, like I loved people who I also hated. Do you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm just trying to explain that shit I used to hate Now I'm really glad about it. And I will explain more about my life in relation to this at the end of this episode. But I want to continue telling you about the book first. Like I was saying with regards to my life, going through difficult times allows for so much growth and learning. And that is apparently the point of it all. Like after all, it's just to learn and to grow. And you do apparently get a say in your life. Like I said, you did choose the life. And this is kind of based on what you decided from your studying after your last life and reflecting on all of your potential previous lives that you had as well, what you need to focus on and learn in this life. So in between your lives, you study with our peer group and our spirit guide or teacher. So we do have one, I think, I I mean, I might be wrong here, but what I understood is there's like maybe six people or six souls, I guess, in your spirit group. And this is typically based on people who are similar to you in energy and similar to you in terms of level and in terms of what you need to learn and grow on. That's kind of how your soul group gets formed and it can change and people can um, kind of get out of the soul group if they're just adva- advancing too quick in comparison to other people. Like it's flexible still, but I think the six of you have that one teacher and sometimes there's like a substitute or not a substitute but like a a trainee teacher who's learning alongside as well they're gonna you know they're eventually gonna become their own teacher so you might have like one or two spirit guides but I think we kind of share it between like the four or five or six other people in our group but also not everyone in your group is incarnating at the same time and I have heard as well that even other people in your group can work with your spirit and soul guide to also help send you clues and ideas and things to keep you moving on the right path that you originally intended when you chose the life. But yeah, usually at least a few of the souls in your group do incarnate with you and you share that life. So in some, like there's been examples where it's like this was your son and then in the next life this person is your husband or your father like people always are kind of switching roles but still something where you are close to each other sometimes it's like work friends like it's not necessarily a family member that's in your soul group um I don't know it's just really fascinating (laughs) so at soul school together with your soul group and your teacher you flip through these harry potter vibe books sounds super cool where the picture moves you know like a movie I'm sure you've seen harry potter right And you look at your past lives and you discuss all the different alternatives, where you went wrong, the value of your choices, all of that. And again, it's all very lighthearted and fun too. Everyone is truly just trying to help the other person out and we just all love each other and we want each other to be good and do good. Like nobody thinks that they're better than the other person. We're all just in this together and trying to help each other out and it sounds so fucking cute. And then let me read you another quote from, this is an example of another case study and this he's talking about his soul group. We rib each other about how dramatic it all is down there on earth and how seriously we all take our lives. Earth is one big stage play. We all know that. Doesn't that blow your fucking mind? Okay, it's been an hour, so I'm going to go pee and have a little break and also add a new battery to the camera, and I'll be back to continue. We're about halfway through my notes here, so probably maybe another hour to go, (laughs) but hopefully you're enjoying it, and if you're not, hopefully you just already aren't listening anymore. (laughs) Okay, BRB.
for wrong talk to acknowledge fact and fiction. See the right and wrong and understand every decision. Have faith and belief in government and in religion. Out on a mission. While the basis and foundation was first laid out at home through our mothers and our fathers and everything they've shown. There's the roots where the fruits of the tree so old. And we've grown. We're all students of life, studying all day and all night. We gon' give it our best to prepare for this test. Yes, and pray to God that we get it right. Get to get it right. Students of life, studying all day and all night. We gon' give it our best to prepare for this test. Yes, and pray to God that we get it Producing chemical reactions Sonic exploration is my purest satisfaction Metaphors and symbols convey this interaction Don't confuse your message with these Babylon distractions So hard to forgive, but we all love to be forgiven Physically mature, but spiritually we're still just children Have to make the most of all the lessons that we're given Must respect the difference in the world that we all live in Students of life Studying all day and all night We gon' give it our best To prepare for this test Yes, and pray to God that we get it right Get to get it right of life Studying all day and all night We gon' give it our best To prepare for this test Yes, and pray to God that we get it right The golden rule was meant to teach us Be conscious of your actions Newton's law explains the mechanics of what happens. The outcome is the product of whatever you imagine. Law of attraction. Every second is a lesson, pay attention. Oh, you might not know. Search for the answers, ask questions, interact. No matter where you go. Some will be fools, some will be cool, some will be fast. While others might be slow. Some will drop out, it's sad, I know. We're all students of life. Studying all day. had a little break had a slice of pizza because <laughs> I ate pizza last night so I ate my leftovers nom 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 I love me some pizza um let's get back into it shall we we still have eight more pages to get through and also if this is interesting to you when at, without a doubt you should read the book because it, co- it covers so much more than I could possibly share with you I'm just trying to kind of ex- share the most cool thoughts that it made me think in relation but if you're interested, you will still get a lot out of the book and I would really suggest it along with, um, I'm reading another one right now that I'm enjoying. I forget the name of it though. I can't tell you, but 
there's also so many other ones by different authors and stuff. So I'll kind of share more about that as I learn, obviously. Anyway, so now let's talk about the question of soulmates. This is an idea that I always thought was a bit wacko and it just didn't make much sense to me. And I thought it sounded like a fairy tale. Um, And I know so many different religions and belief systems view soulmates differently. The way I had kind of been heard and told about it, it, I was sort of under the impression that maybe we were one soul and then you were split in half and half was put in one body and half in the other body and then you find each other and that's like why you're soulmates. Um, I also just kind of understood the idea of soulmates as there was just this only one person in the world who was perfect for you. And for me, based on what I know about life, and just that just didn't make sense to me because I was like, realistically, I am capable of actually loving like literally anyone. Like if I get to know you well enough and you're not a terrible, terrible, terrible person, even if you were, like I feel like I'm capable of loving the worst person ever if I like understand why they are the way that they are. Like I just... I think the worst person ever was once a child who had a shitty parent. You know what I mean? So I always like notice and recognize that. Um, I don't know what the point of that was, but I just basically never thought that that made sense. Oh, because I really think I could love literally anyone. Like if I got to know, like as if there's only one person out of the million people, like Bobo, why are you meowing? <laughs> okay. Basically, I just thought it was possible for me to love just about anyone if you force me to talk to them for long enough honestly and so I just didn't really think it ever like actually made sense that you could only love one person and that or not that you could only love one person but that one person was your soul mate that you were maybe meant to be with do you know what I mean like that never made sense to me um but maybe I was wrong about that so there is one case study it's page 32 if any of you are going to read the book this lady like as she first dies she's greeted you know how I said when you die and you go back to the soul world you're greeted by all your loved ones so she was greeted by and she has this like flash of being like oh my god Larry Gunther Jean and like she's remembering her lives with all those three guys but they're all the same soul and that was her husband just in three of her past lives you want to go down okay no mewing promise so, I mean, again, like, I obviously don't know, but maybe some of it's are real. Uh, and so from what I understand, it's not that there's just like one person that you're meant to be. Rather, it's that the soulmate or your soulmate is one of your few soul buddies out of that group of six or so that's in your soul group that you're learning with. And this is the person that you planned to be with and partner with in this life. So sometimes I guess you form such a strong bond that you become soulmates in many lives, as is the case with that lady and other ones. But it does also sound like your soul mate can just move around and switch every single life. So somebody who, like one person who's in your soul group could be your soulmate in this life. And then another person who's in your soul group could be like your best friend in this life. But then in the next life, your best friend would be your soulmate. Like it can switch. But also I think that you can just form such a strong bond with the soul that you end up just becoming soulmates in every single life just because you want to do life together in this life as well if that makes sense which if that is true like how fucking beautiful is that right so anyways once you're done studying with your group and you're ready to finally embark on a new life and a new journey you head to this movie it's it's roughly explained in my mind I see it as this like a movie theater type of vibe thing where you're shown a few different possible lives that you could live that are currently available I guess, and again, it doesn't explain this because again, a lot of the logistics aren't explained because as a soul, 
you don't really know how shit is happening because you're not that high up. But basically, you go to this movie theater and you're shown a few different lives. I suspect based on, you know, people who are already pregnant or who may be planning to be pregnant and based on their genetics and their family life. And it kind of creates predictions of what your potential life could be. And it will show you a few different options. Usually there was one example. And so I'm sure this happens more than for one person. They were literally only shown one option. And that was like, you just kind of have to take it. But they also wanted to take it. It's not like you're forced to do anything you don't even need to go back to earth you could just be like fuck this it's too hard and not but it's just like you eventually kind of seem to just want to and another reason that this seems so real is because as far as we know from quantum quantum physics so far manifestation is basically a thing now i say basically because again i'm not a scientist and i don't that understand that much but one really cool book you squared you should recommend it it's like 20 pages long it's really really short and it kind of explains basically that quantum leaps are a thing and scientists don't really get why a particle can jump from instead of going from the particle here to like the next spot it will jump like 50 paces and you'll be like wait how did that happen and the book you squared basically explains like having quantum leaps in your own life and doing the thing that is obvious but doesn't seem obvious but is and then you can like quantum leap and jump super far forward in your own life basically makes me think that manifestation is a thing and again that like I might not I'm not certain but that's how I kind of understand it all so that makes me think if as many gods we have the ability to form matter and make rocks surely we can also change any other form of matter and make seemingly impossible things happen which does just happen all the dang time you guys like so many things that seemed impossible then happened so um it makes me think that if that is also true that as souls and mini gods ourselves we can form energy and make things perhaps that's like you can then manifest anything but perhaps you can only maybe manifest that which is what you were initially intending on doing with this life because I think the way manifestation is described to me I understand it as though the universe is conspiring with you to help you achieve your dreams. But perhaps if your dreams aren't in alignment with what your soul initially planned on doing, maybe the universe isn't so helpful. I don't know. It just, it makes me, makes me think lots of things, eh? Oh my gosh. Regardless of whether any of this is true, this is a really epic quote from the book with regards to this. Because again, like I said, the whole point of life is just to grow and get better at every single lifetime. The key to growth is understanding we are given the ability to take mid, to make mid-course corrections in our life and having the courage to make necessary changes when what we are doing is not working for us. That is just so freaking true, whether any of this else is true. Like you do always have the ability to make make a change at any point and you can. It's just humans are very good at convincing ourselves all the reasons why we don't, we aren't capable of doing it. But um, if you stopped convincing yourself of that and convince yourself why you could do it, you I mean, you don't know what is is and isn't possible. Like to say something is impossible is really um, not ever true because the impossible happens all the time. So, you know, dream big. You know what I mean? And that's also why we usually do have to go through a ton of lives to develop because life is just a mission, especially in this society. And it's very easy to fail on our original goals and not follow through on the plan we had in mind and therefore not, you know, learn the lessons that we needed to actually learn. So here's another quote. One of my clients has not been able to conquer envy 
which makes sense because envy is a hard one to conquer. For 850 years in numerous lives, another, another spent 1,700 years trying to gain authoritative power over others, right? So this is just so valid. Like, obviously, that something like envy and authoritative power would not be like what your soul wants you to do. So again, this is why I just think that if this is real and we can prove it, how much better the world would be because people would realize that feeling something like envy or trying to gain power over others is not what you need to be satisfied. I mean, based on like the science of happiness is also true. There's there's just so many things that click and this is why I'm like, whoa, is this real? Because this is really cool. Anyways, now let's talk about our capacity for evil, evil because another reason why religion or the idea of God just sounded so like fucking like as if, you know, is because there's so much terrible shit and evil things that are always seeming to happen in the world and if there really was just god out there who like actually cared and was keeping an eye on us there's no way they would allow all of like mass murders war natural disasters anything bad there's just no way they would allow that right but i mean as i guess based on ishmael and if you especially if you've read that book you can understand that the gods seem to maybe know what they're doing because sometimes death just has to happen in order for someone else to survive you know like the gazelle has to die for the lion to get fed you know but there's a way to kind of balance out the goodness and the evil among everyone but we just aren't capable of really figuring that out because we ain't we ain't gods but we are mini gods but we're not full gods yet sort of (laughs) um it makes sense to me but i don't know if this makes any sense to you But as I've kind of said already, sometimes going through difficult shit is actually part of the plan. Something you knew would likely happen and you were okay with that because you knew you'd learn and grow or you'd also just be helping someone else to do that. So so for instance, this is a case study in the book I'm currently reading. This grandmother, I think she was around 70 or so in this life. (laughs) I love saying in this life now. It just makes everything sound so fascinating when I think about that. And like, what other lives have you had or going to have? It's so fascinating. OMG. Anyways, this lady in her current life, she was her grandmother and she lost two out of her three grandchildren. I believe the three of them were all siblings and two of them died in a car accident, but one of them managed to survive. But I think that that kid was still in the accident. So imagine how traumatized you would fucking be if two of your siblings died and you survived. Like that would be so hard on that kid, right? And the grandma was going through such emotional turmoil. And one of the things you can do is get life before lives therapy or hypnosis type of sessions where you are able to talk with your soul guide or with other souls that are in your group through hypnosis and figure out like they are able to help point you on the right path of like what you need to know now in order to continue going down the path that you intended and doing what you need to do like that that's what the session kind of is for I really want to do it and I, I will and film it and tell you guys this would be so cool But essentially, the lady was super upset, obviously, because two of her grandkids died. And she was like, well, why is this happening? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? What do I need to focus on and learn right now? Because all I can think about is how sad and how hard everything is being. Understandable. And basically, what she learned from the session was that her two out of those two kids that died. And again, I really don't want to offend anyone if you've had people die. Like, I obviously don't know. But if this is real, it's kind of a beautiful thing to think about. And I think could potentially help you 
with dealing with death and people who you've lost but obviously you know I, I don't know so think whatever you want like I hope that that's always clear but sometimes people like to really jump down my throat <laughs> basically those two kids before they all went into this life in the soul world you have like conversations and you conspire to plan the life and they were both like they knew going into this life that there was a good chance those two kids that they would die around like 10 like they knew they were going to die from a young age and in terms of like fate and how it's all planned out it was very brief but I kind of understood it as though there was just a very high possibility that those kids would have died young. And if, say, on that day, they didn't go out into the car, then it would have maybe happened the next day or the day after that. Like, it's sort of like there's lots of backup plans and things that the universe puts in place. Again, the actual how the heck this happens, we don't really know, but that's sort of the gist, okay? Basically, the kids knew they were going to die, but they were like, this is good because I'm going to help my the grandma who was just, again, somebody in their soul group or somebody that they knew in the soul world, helping them to learn because losing a kid or a grandkid like that would obviously be super hard on a person. And so going through difficult things, as I said, is just a really good way for souls to learn and to grow. So the point she learned from this session was that but first of all, she was able to talk to both those people in the hypnosis world, which I think just helped to like calm her down, obviously, and make her feel better, being like, okay, I will see these kids again one day. It's not the end of the world. It's the end of their life on this world, but it's not the end of them, period. Like, I'll see them again, you know? Which I know people who believe in heaven and like going back and seeing people helps to calm them down. So I think that just is something that helps people. But maybe it's wishful thinking, but maybe it fucking isn't, which is just cool, okay? Anyways, they knew and they just knew that they wanted to help the grandma and the grandma learned that, okay, those kids knew what was going on and really I knew that was going to happen as well and I knew and now she knows that really her, what the plan is and what she needs to be focusing on is just helping that one kid who was left, helping the one kid who didn't die, you know, cope and grow and not lose their shit over the fact they lost two of their siblings. Like the grandma basically learned that this is what she needs to be focusing on right now, um, which again, it's just really cool. So just basically sometimes terrible things can be planned because you are trying to learn or you know that whatever it is that's going to happen to you will help somebody else learn, okay? And then there are other times when evil things can just be totally random and not planned. So like I said, life is really fucking hard. And so lots of us or maybe even most of us don't end up following the path our soul originally intended and we often end up making mistakes and hurting people that we weren't supposed to i mean i don't really think you're supposed to hurt anyone anyway so basically you know it's just being a human is hard and it's very easy for the human emotions to take over your soul's baseline of love and peace and you know, therefore you end up hurting somebody. So sometimes terrible things can just happen for that reason. And it's not actually planned at all, but it doesn't mean that you can't learn from it anyways. Cause I think it's so hard to view life as though you're a victim. Like you have to find how did I grow and benefit from this terrible thing? I feel like it's the only way to like just emotionally cope with difficult things. Like that's what's really worked for me. So it might work for you if you haven't tried that yet. Anyways, this is a little quote excessive craving and addictive behavior which is the outgrowth of personal pain inhibits the expression of a healthy soul and may even hold a soul in bondage to its host body i feel that so hard on the days where i'm like binge eating like my life depends on it even though i don't want to eat at all <laughs> you know i feel that so hard like i'm held hostage by this body that i can't seem to control do you know what i mean 
which I feel like makes sense then. It's like your soul is witnessing the shit that's happening and you're like, why? I don't want to be doing this, but ah, my body's taking over. Kind of makes sense. I don't know. So in Earth's entire history, there have always been some souls unable to resist and successfully counter human cruelty. And since souls are not perfect, they can easily be corrupted in their early developmental stages, such as a child being abused and then growing to also commit abuse without any feelings of remorse. Uh, which is why we need to change the education system because parents, shitty parents were once kids with shitty parents. Like it's not like your parents sucked. It's just, it's a cycle of shitty parenting and nobody seems to realize that they're doing it wrong. Be- I mean, I don't blame them, Do you know, but you know. Okay, now, karma. If you are not able to turn aside the human impulse to harm others, then karma does come back to bite you. But it's not in this evil way that I used to sort of kind of understand karma based on like other belief systems. I never really believed it myself, but it just, I had obviously, I'm sure you've heard about karma too, right? It's a pretty common concept at this point. But it's not supposedly from the book, a super evil method that I used to sort of think that it was, whereas if you did something shitty, something shitty would, would just come back to you because you deserved it almost. But it's sort of a little bit different. So the minute you wake up and you die and you let go of the spell of this life and you release all of those evil human emotions and you're left with just that, what you really are as a soul, which is like I said, it's just love and wisdom. You instantly feel regret. Like basically I've read so many case studies where like the person dies and instantly they're like, holy shit. I can't believe I did that. I'm so terrible. Ah, and they feel so much regret for what they have done pretty much instantly the minute you are not a human anymore and you've gone back to just being a soul. So it's your choice to go into seclusion for a while and contemplate and reflect on what you did once you return to the soul world. It's not a punishment, but rather a kind of purgatory for the restructuring of self-awareness with these souls. So for example, this guy who really terribly hurt a young girl in his past life ended up feeling so, so bad for what he did. I think he like raped and murdered her. It was something really rough, you know? And ended up feeling so bad about what he did that he went under extensive private study before he went back to the regular soul world to then, you know, reunite with his soul buddies and start studying and everything, you know? He blamed his own lack of skill to overcome the human failings. So then, with the help of this of his spiritual counselors and peers, he decided on the proper mode of justice for the way he acted. If you can believe it, he straight up asked to be an abused woman himself in the next life to gain understanding and to appreciate the damage he had done to the girl. So sometimes a hardship you go through could have been something you planned for yourself to learn and grow or to empathize, you know, but other times you are just that poor girl who was hurt by that for no reason by a lost soul who's just kind of out of control and gone human and gone evil, you know? I hope that makes sense. So basically, shitty things can happen because you planned it, but also it could be unplanned. But either way, if there's a way to learn to grow from it, just I think personally, I think that it's a good idea to benefit. It'll help you benefit, actually benefit from a shitty thing that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have thought that you'd benefit from in any way. You know what I mean? Like there's so many shitty things that I didn't think I benefited from. But when I look back, it's like, well, now I appreciate how great I have it now. So it can't have been that bad because maybe I wouldn't appreciate this now. In fact, I know I wouldn't, you know? So It's not always as bad as you think in the moment is what I'm trying to say. And so because of this, there is no negative karma that remains attached to a soul who is willing to work during their many lives on this planet to grow and improve. So that person who murdered that girl and was evil in that life, 
in the next life, they learned and they grew. And you can basically release any negative karma or anything through learning and growing. Like you are, it's so beautiful, really. Like you are always given a second chance. And you are always given another try to learn and to grow and, and to be better and do better. Like they always seem to have faith in you that you are capable of more, which is so, so beautiful, really. It sounds like I just, it makes me not that afraid to die because I'm like, you know what? The spirit world sounds pretty freaking swag and I can't wait to get there. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to live this life and hopefully I don't die until I'm really old so I can do a lot of things in this life. But if I happen to die, it calms me. Like some nights I feel really like I just can't sleep because I get like nervous. And I'm like, well, if someone came and like murdered me, I guess it wouldn't be that bad. Like then I'd find out for like instantly whether any of this shit is real. That's super interesting. So it helps to calm my mind a bit. So it might work for you too. And even if you don't go straight up evil and murder someone, all the bad and good decisions you made are remembered, all of them. And upon re-entering the spirit world, you have to talk them through with your personal guide or your teacher, you know. And then also after that, you go to a council of master elders and everybody is held accountable for their past lives. Performance is judged upon how each individual interpreted and acted upon their life roles. But again, it's all done out of love, but they do just want you to actually do better and teach you, you know. So here's an example. I talk with Am, Am oh God, I'm not gonna say this right. I talk with Amaphus. That's their guide's name. And I is the person talking. I mean, duh. Okay. <laughs> I talk with Amaphus about the sad and happy times of the life I have finished. I know I've made mistakes, but she is so kind to me. We laugh and cry together while I reminisce. Then we discuss all the things I didn't do that I might have done with my life. But yeah, as I said, the soul world is just full of love and wisdom. So it is super caring. Like I said, I guess. Another quote, there is an overwhelming forgiveness in the spirit world. The world is ageless and so too are our learning tasks. We will be given another chance in our struggle for growth. I just think that is so beautiful. Okay, so now let's talk about suicide because this book made me have some very curiously fascinating thoughts about that. And again, another disclaimer because people on the internet are wacko. I, no hate to anybody who has committed suicide. Um, if you know somebody and you've been personally really affected by that, like, I don't know how to explain to you how much I feel it. Um, I've had people in my own life close to me when I was growing up threaten to kill themselves like all the fucking time. So I've been there. I feel that. I've wanted to kill myself a numerous of times as well. So it's not like I'm, I really hope it comes across that I'm not trying to be ignorant towards the concept of suicide. But again, I mean, I hopefully if you're going to get triggered by something, you just maybe don't watch anymore. But I think that this would be helpful for people, whether you have had suicidal tendencies and thoughts yourself, or you just know somebody who has or has actually taken their own life. This might help you to cope with that. It might not, but it's worth potentially listening to. You decide. It's your life. It's your life, baby. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to read you like two pages of this case study because it will explain suicide. And then when we talk about gender as well, it's also super fascinating. So I just think this will be a good little case study for me to read you guys. So I said from page 58. Okay, Dr. N, why are you going to see Clodies now? And Clodies is their spirit or soul guide. S, I think their name was Sally or something like that. You know, I am going to have to make some kind of accounting of myself. We go through this after all my lives, but this time I'm really in the soup. Why? Because I killed myself. Dr. N, when a person kills himself on earth, does that, does this mean they will receive some sort of punishment as a spirit? S, no, no, there is no such thing as punishment here. Doesn't, doesn't it sound so nice? That's an earth condition. 
<laughs> like, can't you wait to get to the spirit world? It sounds awesome there. <laughs> Clodis will be disappointed that I bailed out early and didn't have the courage to face my difficulties. By choosing to die as I did means I have to come back later and deal with the same thing all over again in a different life. I just wasted a lot of time by checking out early. Dr. N. So no one will condemn you for committing suicide? S. Reflects for a moment. Well, my friends won't give me any pats on the back either. I feel sadness at what I did. And then a note. This is the usual spiritual attitude toward suicide. But I want to add that those who escape from chronic physical pain or almost total incapacity on earth by killing themselves feel no remorse as souls. Their guides and friends also have a more accepting view towards this motivation for suicide. Now back to the convo. Dr. N, you sound a little so, you sound a little depressed at the prospect of an intimate conversation with your guide about your past life? S. Because I blew it. I have to see him to explain why things didn't work out. Life is so hard. I try to do it right, but how how relatable, eh? Do what right? I had an agreement with Clodies to work on setting goals and then following through. He had expectations for me as Ross. Damn, now I have to face him with this. You don't feel you met the contract you had with your advisor about lessons to be learned as Ross? No, I was terrible. And of course, I'll have to do it all over again. We never seem to get it perfect. You know, if it weren't for the, for Earth's beauty, the birds, flowers, trees, I would never go back. It's too much trouble. Again, so fucking relatable. I just loved this, this case study. It was so good. I can see you're upset, but don't you think... You can't get away with a thing either. Everybody here knows you so well. There is nothing I can keep from Clodies. Okay, so now we're going to jump to the conversation with Clodies and Ross was who they were in their last life. But in this life, the person being hypnotized name is Hester and it's a girl now. But in the past life, it was a guy, which is why gender is just such a cool thing we'll talk about in a second. If you could change, so this is Clodies. If you could change one, any, if you could change anything about your life, what would it be? Ross, not to be corrupted by power and money. How real, right? That's just, everyone is corrupted by that. So good. Why did you let these things detract from your original commitment? I wanted to belong, to feel important in the community, to rise above others and be admired for my strength, especially by women. Oh, this is Clodies. Especially by a woman. I observed you tried to dominate them sexually as well, making conquests without attachments. <laughs> Ross, yes, that's true. I don't have to explain. You know everything. Clodies, oh, but you do. <laughs> you must bring yourself awareness to bear on these matters. Ross, if I hadn't exerted power over these people, they would have controlled me. Clodies, this lacks merit and was unworthy of you. What you became is not how you started. We chose your parents carefully. When I read that line, I was, that fucked me up. Because I was like, why would I have chosen my parents? But then I went through it, and, I, and we'll talk about it. But it, it makes sense to me. Note, the Felden family, so Ross Felden was their name in the last life. Ross Felden. The Felden family were farmers of modest means who displayed honesty, forbearance, and sacrificed much so Ross could study law. Ross, yes, I know. They brought me up to be idealistic, to help the little guy. And I wanted this, too. But it didn't work for me. You saw what happened. I was in debt when I became a lawyer. Ineffective, of no consequence. I didn't want to be poor anymore. Depend 
defending people who couldn't pay me. I hated the farm, the pigs and the cows. I liked being around substantial people. And when I joined the establishment as a prosecutor, I had the idea of reforming the system and helping farm people. It was the system that was wrong, which is so real. I feel like it's what we need to fix the system because every, every soul, like it must be so hard to not get corrupted by it. Clodies, ah, they're, they're always just so fucking wise. Like I love this. Ah, you were recorrupted by, you were corrupted by the system. Explain this to me, Ross. People had to pay fines they couldn't afford. Others I sent to jail because of offenses they didn't mean to commit. Others I had hung. I became a legal killer. Clodies, why did you feel responsible for prosecuting criminals who were guilty of hurting others? Ross, few of those, most were just ordinary people like my parents who got caught up in the system, needing money to survive. And there were those who were sick in the head. Clodies, what about the victims of the people you prosecuted? Didn't you choose a life of law to help society and to make the farms and the town safer with justice? Ross, don't you see? It didn't work for me. I was turned into a murderer by a primitive society. So valid though, you guys. Clodies, and so you murdered yourself. Ross, I got off track. I couldn't go back to being a nobody. I couldn't go forward. Clodies, too easily you became a participant with those whose motivations were for personal gain and notoriety. This was not you. Why did you hide from yourself? Ross, why didn't you help me more when I started as a public defender? Clodies, what benefit do you get from thinking I should pick you up at every turn? just so like such tough love it's really good <sighs> wanting sympathy i guess like instantly like as a soul there it's so hard for us you know with when you're a human it's so easy for you to deny like deep down you know what's up but you you it's very easy to convince yourself of something else but in the soul world there's no way for that like so instantly he's like <sighs> wanting sympathy like i'm just wanting you to give me sympathy right now like i guess i'm not actually gonna i wouldn't gain anything from that it's just it's so cool what more would you have me do? You didn't reach far enough inside yourself. I placed thoughts in your mind of temperance, moderance, responsibility, original goals, your parents' love. You ignored these thoughts and were stubborn to alternative action. Ross, I know I missed the signs you set up. I wasted opportunities. I was afraid. Clodies, what do you value most about who you are? Ross, that I had the desire to change things on earth. I started with wanting to make a difference for the people of earth. Clodies, you left that assignment early and now I see you missing opportunities again. Being afraid to take risks, taking paths with damage, which damage you, trying to become someone who is not you and their sadness again. How much do you feel that? Like, are you doing what you shouldn't be doing, but what maybe society is trying to tell you to do, what the system wants you to do versus what your soul wants you to do. Because from what I understand, if you do what your soul wants you to do, you're going to be happy. And I mean, it just makes everything better, doesn't it? Okay, so now it just goes back to another note and it's just kind of explaining the history again. And it says, Ross Feldon as a person is dead, but Hester, which is who they are in this new life, is caught up in the same quagmire. And I want... And I want to do what I can to break this destructive pattern of behavior. I spent a few minutes reviewing with this subject what her guide has indicated about lack of self-concept, alienation, and lost values. 
After asking Clodis for his continued assistance, I close the orientation scene and immediately take Hester to a larger spiritual stage just before her rebirth today. Dr. N, with all the knowledge of who you were as Ross and having a greater understanding of your real, real spiritual identity after you stay in the spirit world, why did you choose your current body? Um, Ross, I chose to be a woman so people would not be intimidated, intimidated by me. Dr. N, really? Then why did you take the body of such a strong, forceful woman in the 20th century? I think they described earlier that she was like six foot, so like quite a big woman. Um, I don't know. They won't see me. They won't see a prosecuting attorney dressed in. Oh my gosh, uh, Ross. They won't see a prosecuting attorney dressed in black in a courtroom. This time, I am a surprise package. A surprise package? What does that mean? As a woman, I knew I would be less intimidating to men. I can catch them off guard and scare them to death. What kind of men? The big guys, the power structure in society. Catch them when they are lulled into a false sense of security because I'm a woman. It's really smart, isn't it? Catch them and do what? Dress her left palm and her right fist into the left palm. Nail them to save the little guy from the sharks who want to eat up all the small fish in this world. Right? So you wanted to help the same sort of people who you were unable to help as a man in your previous life as Ross. Is this correct? So I guess I should say Hester because that's the one who's talking. Hester is her name now. Yeah. It's not the best way. It's not working out for me like I thought. I'm still too strong and macho. Energy is pouring out of me in the wrong direction. What wrong direction? I'm doing it again. Misusing people. I chose the body of a woman who is intimidating to men. But I don't feel like a woman. Give me an example. Sexually and in business. I'm in the power game again. Pushing aside principles. Getting off track as before as Ross. This... As, as before as Ross. This time, I manipulate real estate deals. I'm too interested in acquiring money. I want status. And how does this hurt you as Hester? The influence of money and position is a drug to me as it was in my last life. My being a woman now has done nothing to change my desire to control people. So stupid. Then do you think your motivations were wrong in choosing to be a female? Yes, I do feel more natural living as a man, but I thought as a woman this time around, I would be more subtle. I wanted this chance to try again in a different sex, and Clody has let me take it. What a blunder. <laughs> Dr. N. Don't you think you're being a little hard on yourself, Hester? I have the sense you also chose to be a woman because you wanted a woman's insight and intuition to give a different perspective to tackle your lessons. You can have masculine energy, if you want to call it that, and still be feminine. Yeah, that's basically that. So, makes your question suicide because it's like, well, hmm. You know what I must say, you guys? In the last year, I've probably wanted to kill myself a lot less. <laughs> it sounds really bad, but if you are like me and you have like suicidal tendencies, hopefully you get that. I feel like it's very common in most of my life growing up, like every day to kind of have that urge. But that's super rare now. And I think that it's because I'm doing what my soul needs to do and I finally feel like I have a purpose and there is a point to my existence. Whereas for a long time, I was just miserable. I didn't even realize that anyone could have a purpose or a point to their existence. And I know some people would still not think that's true, but if you can find a purpose, like scientifically, there's a lot of evidence that you will just be happier and feel better. And also, if that purpose is what your soul, you know, what the intention of you had that you had for this life, then it would make sense that you would be even happier. Do you know what I mean? Like perhaps depression 
in conjunction with a lot of other things that causes it, maybe a part of it has to do with not doing what your soul had intended and therefore you feel this just like, ugh, life is pointless because you're not, you, it, this life as you are living it is pointless. You know what I mean? Like there was a point, but you're not doing the point and therefore it's pointless. But it doesn't mean that your existence is pointless. No, no, no. It just means that you're not doing the right thing. But you could change that and then be happy. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, let's go back to my notes here. Yeah, let's talk about gender and gender identity. I mean, like, again, not trying to cause offensive. I don't know how many times I'm going to have to say this in this episode. But um, I know that uh, gender is such like a just, you know, polarizing topic. But um, I hope it's clear that, like, I obviously don't believe even that you have a choice in your body either way. So I don't think that, I mean, you should judge someone for being either gender or for being trans or anything. And hopefully that's clear that I literally like genuinely love everyone and want everyone to be happy. Hopefully that's clear. If it's not, then you just, I don't know, which I don't know what, what planet you're on. I don't know. Because yeah, what even is gender? And I know I'm not the only one who can feel that way because I just feel like there is a little bit of too much focus on gender because really you can possess both and these are in quotes masculine and feminine traits and it doesn't really mean anything or say anything about who you are as a person like there's nothing wrong with being masculine and a girl or vice versa and this book totally backs that feeling up in my opinion at least because it describes souls as being (laughs) it's a hard word for me to say apparently androgynous you know aka male and female or nothing altogether i wonder if it means male and female or whether it just means none either way you get the idea right so we can pick to live a life as either gender and we probably have all been assuming we've you've had more lives as well we've both we've been both genders over time so i would love as well to talk to anyone who's trans and learn about their experience like when you meditate or when you're praying or whatever it is when you feel like you're connecting with your soul do you feel like that's what's going on? Like, do you relate to Hester's experience that perhaps you were a guy in all your previous lives and now you're a girl in this life and it just feels so wrong and different because you're so used to being a guy? Is that maybe what it is? Because you know how they describe like the brain is different from the body. So perhaps like the brain is basically from how I'm understanding it in this concept, like your brain, the brain and the soul meld into one in this body. And then when you die, the soul's like peace out when the body dies, you know? So it kind of makes sense because when they describe uh, a gender dysphoria, right, where you the head is, say, a female, but the body is a male, maybe that's what's going on. It's the soul feels more aligned with female, but it was like, maybe I'll try being a guy in this life and kind of got, conf- you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? If you're trans, you feel like that's how you feel? I'm, I know that there's so many just trouble with words in general like the word trans like everybody who's trans has a totally different experience like it just bothers me that like we have one word to describe like groups of people I guess we need it but it's also very useless in many ways because then it's so easy to just assume that everyone is the same and it's like well they're not the same just because you're all one of this doesn't mean you're not all very different as well you know like just because we're all humans doesn't mean we're all exactly the same even though we're very very similar but we're not you know so yeah do you think that you chose the wrong body and that's why but perhaps like um dr n was saying with hester like maybe they chose the female body for a reason and they're just being a little hard on themselves so perhaps if you're trans 
And again, this is just totally perhaps, I don't know how you feel, but perhaps you're used to being one gender, but you chose a different gender. But perhaps the gender that you chose, you did actually choose it for a reason. And you're maybe forgetting what that reason is. Maybe. I don't know. Perhaps if you were able to connect with their soul and kind of recognize or remember, what was your plan here? Why did you want to be this gender this time around? Oh, yeah. And so maybe because we are so certain pretty much right nowadays that we only have this one life rather than an endless amount, which is what this book kind of says. So we place so much importance on things that are realistically pretty trivial. Trivial, Like I said at the start, like you don't, I mean, I know that I'm saying now that you choose your body, but from how we originally understand it, you don't get a say at all, right? So it is a really trivial, silly thing. Like, and even if you did get a say, what you look like has nothing to do with what you do and the kind of person you are, right? Um, so to me, at least, I think that makes sense that what you look like, your appearance is a very trivial, silly thing to care about, but no judgment if you care because I care, obviously. Like I got a nose job. I'm almost certain I'm going to get my forehead done. Like I feel it. So I totally get it. But deep down, I can almost feel, and I could be wrong because maybe my soul wants me to be beautiful, stereotypically perfect and hot so that I can like convince more people to follow me so that they can hear like these better ideas. Like maybe that's going on here. Or I'm just an absolute lunatic about the fact that I care about what I look like because it shouldn't matter. And maybe it's because I, we all seem to feel so certain that this is our only life that it's like, well, if my only life is this, I want to be hot and look good for the one life I got, you know, because it's just like, I don't know why we care, but we do, right? I just fear that really our desire to change what we look like is due to the nonsense from the media that tells us we have to look a certain way in order to be attractive. When I mean, obviously, if you look at history, like, what was considered attractive a thousand years ago is what we consider attractive now and, all, you know, all the variations in between. So what we consider attractive is sort of silly, really, you know? I mean, I know that we tend to, like, symmetrical things. So, like, beyond that, like, big butts are really in fashion. But, like, 20 years ago, people were, like, into skinny butts. And, like, 100 years ago, being really kind of o- overweight was, like, hot because it was like, look at me, I'm rich, I can afford to eat a lot, you know? Like, it all kind of changes. But really, it's all kind of silly because... We shouldn't care what somebody looks like because you don't get much say. Even if you did get to choose, you didn't really get that much say. Like, it's not like it's Sims where you get to sculpt the exact body. You're just like, yeah, I guess that life will work for me. And I guess I'll look like that. I guess that's fine. You know, it's not like you're like, mm, how about that hair color, though, soul guide? Can we switch that? Like, you can't really do that. Does that make sense? <laughs> or same thing with gender, I wonder. And again, like, I don't know. I don't know you. I'm not telling you this is what's happening. I just, I wonder if this is part of the thing with gender nowadays is that we're told so often, especially in media, like it's just perpetuated that boys need to be into boy things and girls need to be into girl things and to be a boy and like girly things and vice versa. It's like something is wrong with you when obviously that's not, that doesn't make any sense, right? And so I just think that it's a big bummer that as children, we're not raised to love ourselves and see how much value we have as we already are and how much our life is a gift and all the opportunities that we have been given that we think all the value that we have to offer this world and what is what others think of us and that all that matters is what we look like and what they think about us, you know, whether we're accepted by society and people like us when really 
what matters truly is if you like yourself because if everybody else likes you but you're like shit I fucked up every time you're gonna hate yourself it doesn't matter if everyone else likes you right is that obvious yeah so here's some quotes that made me both confused and intrigued let me know what you think I am repeatedly told, so this is the doctor who's repeatedly told from people or souls that he's hypnotizing, interviewing. I'm repeatedly told that the soul itself is androgynous, and yet in the same breath, clients declare sex is not an unimportant factor. How we present ourselves to each other depends on what we are feeling right then, what relationship we have with a certain person and where we are. Like we might show what we looked like as a past self, in that past life with a friend to like remind them of a memory or something like that. But basically in the spirit world, you can kind of control what you look like and how other people see you very easily. But also everyone else isn't fooled by that. Like they still see the real you. Hang on, maybe I, I wrote this down. Aren't spirits supposed to be sexless? In a literal way, we are capable of both attributes. Rachel, which I think is just one of the examples, Rachel wants to show herself to one as a woman for the visual knowing, and it is a mental mental thing with her as well. But we're not locked into a sex. And moments in our life as a soul when we are inclined, there are moments in our life when we are inclined to one gender over another. But then eventually over time, this natural preference supposedly evens out. Another example, somebody had a guide who was named both Alexis and Alex, dropping in and out of both sexes depending on their need for male or female advice. Oh, here you go. This is what I was saying about how you look in the spirit world. The image you project the image you project never hides who you really are because of telepathy, but because these human features were part of our physical lives in other places when we discovered things or developed ideas, it's all a kind of continuum for them to use to better express themselves in the spirit world. But they don't fully appreciate that it is what you are striving for, which is what it's important, not how you appear. We get a lot of laughs about how spirits think they should look, even taking faces they never had on earth. And that's okay. We don't judge. In the end, they're going to be all right. Souls can make mistakes. We don't start off perfect. And that's why there's the perfect purpose of reincarnation and self-improvement. But so, from what I understand, based on that, it's like, as souls, we are androgynous. But perhaps, like it says, you kind of have a preference for one gender over another or perhaps you choose one gender just based on the goals or what you need to learn in that life you know there I think I've already said so many examples of what you know like that dude who was super mean to the girl so then he decided to be a girl in the next life so there are kind of things and reasons why we might choose one over the other but I think eventually as we become so full and like godly as souls we don't care either way like we I guess we kind of become both rather than one or the other and eventually you know you become a god which makes sense that you'd be whole so you would embody both all the male or manly and female kind of attributes i don't i don't really know but i think it's quite fascinating so like yeah because i feel like i'm a girl you know like i would want to be a girl Maybe I'd want to be a guy in my next life. And I also feel like maybe I have been a guy because I do feel very manly in a lot of ways. Like, I am very boy classic. Like, I'm not like a little perfect little princess who doesn't poop. I mean, who is, right? That The stereotypes that are put on both genders are fucking dumb. 
yeah i don't know did that make sense i just thought that it kind of had some pretty cool implications to do with gender and everything because if that is real i mean our bodies are just these little meat things here to help us learn shit it's just it's just fascinating don't you think i don't know i think this is just pretty pretty cool all right couple of other oh okay, actually let me grab some agua i have two more pages i just want to go over a couple of like critiques i guess or i basically tried to find reasons why people thought this might have been bullshit so i could maybe see what i thought based on that um so we'll just kind of go over that and then i think talk a little bit about my life and some of the parallels that i see from this concept in my own life and then that'll be it but i just need to get some more water hi hi princess how are you You're so beautiful. Fulvalina. Why are you so pretty? Yeah. My pretty little girl. All right, so a couple of critiques. And again, if you have any more that are coming to you or also just things that it makes you think about, if it is true, then just ponder. Because again, we don't know if this is true, but if it is true, it's just cool to ponder the implications of it all, you know, in regards to gender suicide, all of that. But it could all be total bullshit. I'm not sure. I'm not too sure yet. You want to go down, baby? You're so sad. Thank you. Yes. Okay, anyways, one of the critiques that I read, and this, like, Clearly the people, all the critiques, they haven't actually read the book because it's like they, they explain it in the book, but I guess maybe just other critiques of people who've just sort of heard this concept, but not really looked into it too much. Yes. Okay. Anyway, so one of the critiques I saw was that there just isn't enough souls, but the book did talk about how there is 200,000 souls a day born, which is kind of wild, but also, Boba Lena, I'm trying to do a podcast here. Just be quiet. If you want the lovins, you gotta be up here because mommy is still recording. She's almost done. But yeah, so he described, first of all, that there's, he said, 200,000. I think it's a day. I don't remember. But basically, a lot of new souls are always being born. So there is, like, I could be a brand new soul. You could be a brand new soul. It's possible, but unlikely. Also, there's so many more souls than, like, people who are on Earth. And like I said, there's so there's everyone who's existing, but there's also a bunch of souls that are just busy studying for their next life, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I just, I did see, like, how there's no way we could be souls because there's not enough of them. But it, well, it's not really, like, the dude did explain how there would be enough souls. So, I didn't think that made much sense. I read this one. I freaking think I hate Vice at this point. Every time I read an article from their website, I'm just like, this is so not factual. You know, it's like journalism, but it's just opinion without anything. Oh, anyways, this one Vice article, dude, he maybe he's so on something and I'm insane. I'll find out more once I actually do it as well. But he got one of those hypnosis sessions that I was telling you about. But he was just so like, first of all, this dude didn't meditate because they do say that you should kind of do that beforehand to get better attuned with like calming your mind because if you can't kind of calm and get into the zone of the hypnosis phase like some people just are not hypnotizable do you know I I don't really know why but I think it's because their brain doesn't kind of want to go down into the theta brain state it wants to stay super active and so this guy was so like I'm just making it all up as we go but it's like if you were actually being hypnotized 
you wouldn't even think that you were making it up because you would be in a hypnotized state. So I don't think it really worked on this dude. And he was so just like, this is all silly dogma, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, there's no dogma, really. The book doesn't say this is real. It just says all of these souls have said this. So this leads me to think that it might be this. But as we do more case studies, we learn more. So again, I just can't get over how many things or articles are written about people who just don't seem to know what they're talking about. It bothers me. Um, but yeah, so there was that. What else is there? Oh, I did see something about how there's no way that like science says, and it doesn't say this, but I have seen people like to use science for their benefits, but then they don't like to read the, the new articles that come out because science is always coming out with new studies. So if you went to doctor school 10 years ago, there's a lot that you don't know unless you're keeping up with the science, you know? Anyways, this dude kind of was saying that this just can't be real because the soul, there's like, they know they've done maps of a brain and looked inside of it. And there's like, well, we don't see a soul, we see brain. (laughs) But how they describe it, and this is also very cool with regards to abortion, Basically, it describes that you, once you've chosen your body and you've gone through the little movie theater and you're like, okay, that's the life, I'm gonna live. And then you finish playing it out. And there's a lot of stuff, really. If I would recommend the book, it's so fascinating. But essentially, you know, one thing leads to another and you get plopped into the body, usually around six or seven months, which I find fascinating, by the way, because you know how at least people's intuition, most people I've talked to seem to kind of agree that by like six months, that's maybe a little bit too far for abortion. I'm not pro-life or pro, is it pro-death? <laughs> Pro-choice, death. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Okay. I was like, pro-death, but can't be right. So I'm not really either of those. This is what I think just in general, left and right and pro and con. The world is not black and white. Okay. It's very, very complicated and there's lots of nuance. Okay. I think that abortion, like, you should have the choice, but I don't think that after, like, maybe the, like, once you are on the third trimester, unless, like, you're gonna die, or, like, there's some very, like, reason, I think there's still always, you know, again, nuance, so I can't say with a blanket statement, but in general, it feels wrong to me that after, like, six months, you want to abort before I even read this book. I just felt like, by that point, now, that's a life. That's basically a human. That's a bit too far. And yet, I do think before that, like, especially if you just got pregnant within the first couple of months, it's like, get an abortion. That's fine. Like, to me, that makes sense. I'm like, that's not a person yet. It's just a couple of cells. And I wonder people who are pro-life, right? Who aren't, I mean, who just aren't pro-abortion, basically. Do you feel like there is some nuance there? Like, are you like, you just got pregnant, you had sex yesterday, can you get an abortion? Or do you think that there's just no way ever? Or do you think that there is some kind of line in between? Because I just think it's fascinating because this does describe basically souls going into the body around like six or seven month time frame. And essentially, it's said something like tracing. And I don't know, but you know, the same way we use our energy to make the universe somehow, we use our energy to trace the brain waves and patterns in the brain. And you know, they become one, the soul becomes one with the brain. So if that's the case, like no shit, scientists aren't going to open up the brain, their scalp and like be like, Oh, there's the soul and there's the brain. It's like, it's all one. So you wouldn't really be able to see or know and pinpoint that's the soul and that's the brain, you know? So I don't think that that's a good enough scientific explanation. Just like, we don't see a soul in the brains, what can't exist. And like, that just doesn't seem like to make sense to me. And yeah, about abortion, again, I just think that is kind of fascinating. Like, cause yeah, I just wonder 
It's fascinating to me based on the fact that everyone I seem to have talked to so far and communicated with, their intuition says something like six or seven months is when it's too late to do an abortion. And it's just odd that that aligns so exactly with all of his case studies and his examples of saying that around six or seven months is when the soul goes into the body. Usually, I have read a couple of examples of the soul going into the body like right before it's about to give birth. So like there is some switch, you know, it's all kind of complicated, but I don't know. I just thought that was all kind of fascinating thoughts to think about. Okay, let me go back to the intro because this is just thought was valid. What you are about to read may come as a shock to your preconceptions about death or go against your religious or philosophical beliefs. Whatever your persuasion, I hope you will reflect upon the implications for humanity if what my subjects have to say about life after death is accurate. And ain't that just the truth? Like, imagine if we all believed in this and lived our lives with this in mind. If we all were able to reconnect with our souls, our reason for being here, and understand that we are part of one ginormous earth or soul or universe or something family, the the multiverse family, (laughs) and that we all came from, yeah, the same source of energy and that we're truly all in this together and we do need to be kind and help one another, that that is, would make the world better, duh. And also that's the goal, all of our souls, basically our goals were to do something to help others. Now, everyone's life and like what your situation is will you know determine what that thing would be but I do think that ultimately we all, we all have a purpose to help others and bring light and happiness and just make it the world better rather than making it worse but it doesn't mean that we always obviously follow the right path right and yeah to know that karma is real that your actions matter and you will have to face the consequences or not even just the consequences because it's not like it's just like a punishment but that you will feel so bad for doing what you're doing right now once you wake up from the spell and the dream that is this life you know and that then does also say in a lot of other books i've read like talk about your dharma or your purpose um dharma i believe is the buddhist um concept of just again like your purpose like we are all born to do something on the earth you had like a plan in mind what was that plan and like finding that plan and then following it um you will be so happy, you will feel so fulfilled, and you will also be able to like just clearly see a positive, the positive impact you're having on the world, which just makes you a lot happier. Like people who are super duper, super rich, but got there being an a-hole are not happy. They're just not because it's money might make life easier, but if you got it by being horrible, it's rare that it's going to actually like make you feel better. So yeah, I see heaven on earth eventually if we can implement this truth and educate people to also connect to their souls and live their truth, which, you know, through meditating and other with things like that, um, rather than conforming to the standards set by our environment and our society and our human instincts of greed and just being more like a soul and more godly, I think the world would be better. Okay, so some personal examples because as I was reading this book, just it made so many things clicked. And again could be absolute nonsense. I obviously don't know, but if it is real, here's some examples of how this has actually happened in my own life, assuming it's real. These are the connections I drew, basically. (laughs) Um, Okay, first of all, this is a totally random one, but we're just going to go in the order that I have this written down. Um, I swear there's this weird thing for me with time, and I know that it's, I think it's, we probably all have similar 
like ways of communicating or similar signals and signs that are sent to us from our soul guides. Like it, you know, it doesn't not make sense that like, why wouldn't they, if this kind of communication works, why not use the same kind of message for everyone or something, you know? So 1111, I swear to you guys, whenever I'm like in the zone and in the flow or have like the greatest idea or just, you know, something that's just super, super like positive and amazing, I swear, I always look at the time and it's 11, 11 <laughs> in the morning as well. Or sometimes at night, but rarely because I guess I'm asleep. I'm, I'm a, I usually go to bed at like eight. <laughs> I'm a grandma, if you couldn't tell. A grandma with a freaky side, but a grandma just the same. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I always see 11, 11. And then same thing. Always see three, three, three. Whenever I'm going, like doing something that I shouldn't be doing or just having negative thoughts, anything like that. Like I remember so often waking up in the middle of the night with like my family screaming and me just like feeling like this murderous desire to like murder, you know, because I'm just like, I just want to be free of this craziness. Ah!" You know, like I didn't obviously, obviously didn't act on it in the slightest, but I felt those feels. (laughs) And then you look at the time when it's 333, like just so many times. Again, it could be me reading into it, but I'm not kidding you. And now also... I feel because my soul guide now knows that I'm conscious of that messaging system. I feel like my soul guide is using it more. So now like I feel often like I notice it. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking for it. It's all, it's all possible, but it just thought it was kind of fascinating. And then I feel like I am trying to work out who my soul group is. Now, once I do hypnosis, I might, it might, it might not. Cause the thing is, from what I understand, your spirit guide is basically present for any of these hypnotists sessions that you have and they're basically dictating what information you're actually given because you know something's gonna maybe hinder your abilities in this life or maybe it's something that you don't need to know yet or whatever like you might not be told it so your soul guide kind of decides okay that information would be beneficial tell her that but don't tell her that I don't really know why if I do the hypnosis session hopefully my soul guide will be able to tell me I mean if my boyfriend is my soulmate I feel like he is but as you know, I've said this already, like I have this, this constant desire to like break up with everyone and run away from everyone. Cause I'm just like a crazy person who's afraid. But when I think about it, me and my boyfriend are so perfect in terms of like just cohabitating and existing together. He makes me really happy and keeps me like productive and feeling good and feeling myself rather than like getting corrupted by these other parts of me that I guess were, you know, for going back to internal family systems therapy like those other parts of me that were grown when I was going through difficult things in my childhood and they were created to protect me and I needed them to defend me and do what they did in those times but it's just now I'm in this epic place that I don't need them to do that anymore but sometimes it's rare but like the other day we did get into like probably our worst fight we ever had um we never really fight realistically. So, but I really did feel like I wasn't even me when I was fighting. Like I felt like I was being taken over by this must've been some part of me that came that was born in my childhood that was there to defend me. Um, Cause I didn't even like know what I was saying. And, and then afterwards I was like, I can't believe I said that. Like, I didn't mean any of that. Like it was really, really weird anyways. So I wonder if basically my boyfriend is my soulmate and um because we do just vibe so well so like if the point of a soulmate perhaps is just to 
have a partner to do life with in order to accomplish things and also somebody to help push you and keep you on the path that you intend and I feel like my boyfriend really does that for me because you guys know I have a shopping freaking addiction my boyfriend is like minimalist king so he really helps me with that and he really helps me with staying positive and being kind like he's the sweetest sweetest person and he's he's like that friend he's like such a good friend you know like he'll always help people move like he's just that friend that you want to have and he's so good so he really inspires me to be better and I also like that he isn't vegan even though parts of me I'm like why can't you just be vegan I want someone who like cares about their health to like do that with me but I think it's really almost like I could see why my soul would have maybe chosen a partner like this because you know how especially if you're a vegan, like you must, like, it's so easy to feel like self-righteous. Like, oh, look at me. I'm so much better than everyone. Like you're obviously not, but when you're doing something that nobody else does, that everybody thinks is insane and is so wrong. And you're like, but you're all crazy. What do you mean? Like you, you know, you see the light. It's really easy to think that you're better than everyone else. Um, and I see vegans do that a lot. I not like I haven't been there too, but I think I've just done this for so long. And what I think I love about my boyfriend is that he he isn't because I'm in love with him and he is such a good person and he's not vegan. So it's like, I will always, I'm always recognizing that those things can be the same, that you can be such an amazing person and just not maybe even know, you know, because so many things it's like, we're just not educated on. Like if you don't really know, like I don't judge 15 year old me who didn't know how terrible animals had it for eating meat like I was just told that this is what you do so I think it's almost good for me to be with somebody who isn't so that I can always kind of hold those two truths in my hands and be like you have to remember that just because somebody doesn't do or life the same way you do doesn't mean that they're not incredible as a human you know what I mean? And then same thing, like I said, with just the minimalism, he helps to balance that out in me and really bring out the more simplistic naturey person. He always gets me to go on walks, like things that I need to do. And so, yes, he's not like the human version of me who wants to like, I don't know, date a clone of me, which realistically I don't. Like, I don't understand myself sometimes. Like, I wonder if he just is my soulmate for those reasons because we're perfect in every way except like those kind of things where you just need to learn to compromise. And I can see somebody who I'm kind of selfish realistically like I try not to be of course but sometimes I feel just so like I just got to put myself first because I think growing up I didn't at all I didn't think that I had the right to care about myself I thought that I had to do what everyone else wanted me to do and I had to just constantly be worrying about everyone else instead of myself so I think going through that for so long kind of pushed me at the other end where now I feel this very very impulsive desire often to just cut ties with everyone and run away so that like I can be free and happy and do my thing what the fuck was the point of that basically I just think that um he's good for me and so maybe he's my soulmate oh yeah like I was saying like compromising like with veganism or the fact that he doesn't really want to move out of Canada but I do you know I am kind of impulsively selfish now, maybe as a result of that, or maybe this is an issue I've had in all my previous lives and it's a thing I need to be really focusing on, but it, it kind of makes sense regardless of the either way that being with him is a really good education for me when it comes to compromising and when it comes to, I guess, family. Because I feel like I didn't really have that. Like I had like blood is important, but these people made me like miserable. So I just never really appreciated family in that sense. But now really he has my family 
And I need, I do need to learn to sometimes put other people's needs above mine when it is good for us both, you know? Because I think that's the case is when I was a kid, often I would put other people's needs above my own when it wasn't good for either of us. Like they weren't going to be happy no matter what I did. Even if I like got on my knees and like was a slave to them, they would still be angry. So it, didn't help them and it obviously didn't help me because I was still miserable so then I feel like it kind of went off the other deep end of the spectrum where I was like screw everyone I'm focusing only on me but maybe that's why he's my soulmate because I need like the balance I just I think it's kind of fascinating same thing with like your soul group of friends like I feel like my friend Courtney for sure because we're just super similar in terms of like being curious and wanting to know more and caring about health and like yoga and meditation and all stuff that neither of us were into when we were younger when we started becoming friends. So it's just kind of fascinating who you end up growing with or growing similar to as you age, eh? I don't know. Oh, and then just in terms of like my life and how I can see like how it might have been planned. Like I said, I really never would have thought that I would have chosen my parents or like any of that when I was going through it. But now that I'm out of that whole situation, I look back and I see how I'm so empathetic, how I'm so hardworking. So many things I how much I appreciate my life like there's a lot of things that I really did gain from that even if in the moment I didn't think I was learning or gaining anything from it and for another thing as well just in terms of like I can see my life as a story like there are a lot of things that happened that if that didn't happen then that wouldn't have happened then that wouldn't have happened and then I wouldn't be where I am right now so my ex before I started dating my boyfriend I wouldn't have met my boyfriend if it wasn't for my ex. I wouldn't have started ASMR if it wasn't for my ex. And then I probably wouldn't be filming this podcast, you know? And if I didn't go to university, because even though I question university so hard, because I feel like, obviously I learned things. I just feel like they were kind of not that useful in the grand scheme of things. But I I wouldn't have met my ex that then led to all of that. Also, I think... The craziness of woke culture right now and the way that we seem to be going a little bit too far off the deep end and starting to erase other people's rights when really we should try to make sure that everyone is like equal, where I feel like we're now going off the other spectrum, just how I was kind of explaining. Again, I, I understand how it's like, I feel like we'll get to a more equal equilibrium eventually, I'm hopeful. But I wonder if perhaps also another benefit of me going to university was that I learned like all the woke shit that everyone else learned. So I like get where they're coming from. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I didn't, it's only more of a new thing, more of a new thought there, but I think it's helpful really to look at how did I learn rather than what did I not gain and how was I a victim, but rather how did I, um, how did I learn and grow and benefit from a shitty thing or just something that you aren't that happy with or something you regret or what have you. Another like just kind of funny story when I was legitimately five you guys like this isn't how much of a hoe I've always been. I literally had a boyfriend when I was five. I would write in my journal all the time like oh my god I had the biggest crush on and my mom would read my journals and I stopped writing my journal because parents don't read your freaking kids journals that is evil. That's next level evil. That's not nice. Anyways um but yeah I had uh biggest crush on kid this one kid when I was five so my first boyfriend when I was freaking five already just like a hoe since birth basically and then I remember like around the same age maybe I wasn't five maybe I was seven but it was like young you know my brother had his friend over who was like three years older than me or something and I legitimately I'm not kidding you chased him 
around the house with my pants off being like look at my vagina I don't really know why like I think I had just discovered my vagina and was like whoa this is funky like I don't really know but I legitimately chased them around look at my vagina and now if you don't know like I show my vagina on the internet and that's how I like pay my bills so it's just kind of hilarious if you look at your life in that respect I don't know I think it's a cool way to view life and I think it sounds real and if it is real it'd be freaking sick I'm glad that I um had an eating disorder and kind of struggled with my weight because that was what started me learning about healthy cooking and healthy eating and eventually what got me to go vegan and um, like that whole cycle wouldn't have started and I think I'm really glad that I'm vegan now because clearly when I was just you know learning about the food I thought that maybe that was the only thing naively that we were lied to about or that um, you know science would be paid like paid scientific studies and you know bias and I just I realized how much they could manipulate information to confuse us or lie to us but I guess that's way more prevalent in every aspect of the world and so I'm kind of glad that I knew that so that my perspective was kind of clear and I don't I take everything that people want to tell me or want me to believe with a very large grain of salt because I know that I could probably find someone to tell me the exact opposite and so I I need to regardless do my own research and figure it out for myself because I mean people just often often don't know what they're talking about but think they do I think the key to life is to like wake up every morning with a blank slate and rewrite your thoughts because you'll learn new shit every day. And so you just can't be like set in your ways because then you will likely miss some good opportunities or some good things that you should change, but you will be happy you changed it by yourself or whatever, you know? Oh my God, yoga as well. When I started doing yoga and the first time I did it was like over 10 years ago, but I remember when I first did it and I had done exercising and other forms of like gym workouts for a few years before, when I did yoga though, I swear, it could be crazy, obviously. I know I could be making this up, but maybe I'm not, right? I felt like this, ah, there you are again. Like, I finally found you again. Like, I feel like I've done yoga in all my other, maybe not all of them, but in a lot of my past lives, you know? Like, it felt like familiar. Like, ah, there you are again, you know? And then now that I'm starting yoga teaching school tomorrow, <laughs> So, you know, eventually I'll be doing like yoga videos and helping you guys learn that. So I just feel like I'm starting to kind of figure out my purpose. And then I think my purpose long-term, in addition to making this podcast, I really, really want to like recreate the soul school as in, you know, like the school, the way that we learn in the soul world in real life, you know, um, a place where it's so full of love and humor and good nature, a place where you also learn the fundamentals of life. I really think the school drops the ball on, I guess, because I know some people argue that your parents should teach you that, but hot damn, we cannot assume that these parents know what the fuck they're talking about because so many don't, you know, like you got to give the kid an actual chance here. And so I think it's really important that we learn meditation, we learn yoga, um, we learn a lot more than we don't just in terms of how do you cope as a human? How do you exist? How do you feel happy? How do you get past those feelings of not wanting to exist or wanting to just be a blob on the couch when you know you need to get up and do something? And all of that, we should learn that because there are lots and lots of techniques, lots of science, lots of studies on that before we get down to calculus. Do you know what I mean? I just, So I think a part of me like definitely my soul is screaming at me to do something about the education system as well because I did fucking hate school. I'm not a people person and I'm definitely not a people person in this 
crazy fake ass world where no one likes to be their actual selves because they know that people will judge them when it's just like I want to be myself so I hated school because I had to like be this fake person all day long and then be this fake person when I got home too so I just I did feel like I was in hell when I was younger (laughs) but now looking back I'm like well I'm glad I hated school because if I loved school I probably wouldn't feel like I needed to change it as badly as I do feel like I need to change it for all the kids who come next and yeah, and I definitely feel like that is part of my purpose, but along with, you know, all the other things. I don't think they, it's necessarily you have one purpose, but more like you can have a lot of things you got to do. And then I really, really, really do want to buy land somewhere and make a little village. I know like everyone I tell thinks I'm crazy and like, who's going to want to live in your village? You have no friends, lady. It's very true. It's very true. But when I listen, I listen to Joe Rogan. I've listened to Chris Ryan. I've heard multiple people now who are a lot smarter than me all say they wanted to do this. Um, since I already had this instinctive idea in my mind to do it. So I feel like confident that that's what my soul would really want me to do. I think maybe a lot of people's souls want them to do this because I think that this might just be the answer to our issues in the world as of right now is less to focus on changing the political system. Although perhaps it's got to be, you know, a holistic approach and we got to kind of attack this from every angle and everyone's got to do their part, right? But I definitely feel like my part is not so much to... It's hard to say because I do also feel this large desire to become a politician just because I like, I have a heart and I like to read the science and listen to people with opposing ideas. Like I don't, obviously I have an ego, but my ego's, you know, it's, it's gotten a lot smaller over time. And I've realized that my ego is kind of just dumb as fuck and I need to not listen to it. I feel like I would be a good politician because it's so many politicians are corrupt as fuck. So perhaps I need to do that in conjunction with the soul world. The I mean, making my own like school slash mini village that's sustainable where we grow our, all of our own food and, and everything like that. Because it just makes sense as well in terms of just like material things. Like do we all need a pool? Maybe the five of us could just share a pool. Maybe the five of us could share the lawnmower. Like, you know, like having more communal things makes sense. Like the... People who want all your money obviously don't want you to share things because they would rather everybody bought a lawnmower. But realistically, if everyone on the block bought a lawnmower and then you all shared it, like you'd be fine. So maybe there'll be some kind of combination with political change to make the world more. Um, hmm. I don't really believe in the idea of forcing people to help everyone else. Like I don't really love taxes because as somebody with a lot of money now, it's like, I want to just give it all away and help. Like, I don't really necessarily feel like I need taxes because now it's just going to the government and a lot of it is just going to, like, bureaucracy and it's going to be wasted. And I would have rather just donate my own money as my own, like, taxes that I take for myself and donated it more directly. So I don't know if I believe in political reform. I almost feel like politics is just so bullshit. And, like, you know, the way that there's left and right, it's, like, that's so dumb. Like, you can, why can't you pick the ideas from all the different spectrums? Like, why is it like one side versus the other side? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me that everyone could have possibly thought through all of the ideas and then decided that they wholeheartedly agreed with one side over the other. Like, there has to be something that you agree with and something you disagree with on both sides, surely. Like, surely it's more complicated than that. So I I just, I almost think politics is dumb. But maybe we'll decide in a few years, you know, like, I feel like I know what's next. That's what, um, also think like a monk talked about your dharma. So it's the same kind of concept of like, you know, your purpose or your life's plan, your purpose for this, this life. 
And it was describing with finding out your dharma that way was just, you know, to kind of inquire. And like, I, I kind of now send messages to my soul guide, like, yo, soul guide, what should I do right now? And like, I like to think that it sends messages back. Um, but basically, they were, it was saying even in that book that it's not necessary that you would or necessarily that you would know or be told like your entire life's path right it makes sense because also with the you know there's lots of change that's happening in the world and so I think our paths are flexible to kind of fit in conjunction with whatever ends up happening everywhere else yeah I definitely think I know what's next and that book does say that like when you ask it's not likely that you'll know everything but you might be like you're likely that you'll be told and be able to figure out what do you need to do next and then from there, you can figure out next and next and next. And then maybe eventually you might have a kind of I- relative vision of the future, but the exact specifics of it all will make more, will reveal themselves to you almost as you continue down the path, you know? Yeah. And then I would love to make a farm sanctuary and also just invest as well, because hopefully I'll have lots of money to, because I really don't need that much, you know, like beyond like surviving, you, you know, like I don't understand what these billionaires are doing with it all. I mean, I realize that they're must be investing it too so I guess that's what I intend on doing is like investing in small ethical businesses that are trying to make the world better because there's actually a lot of people like you and me who don't want the world to be shitty I don't think really anyone does it's just some people are very caught up in the story of that they've been told or that society has told them remember from Ishmael like it's very easy to be like this is the way and there's just no other way there's no other way when they're realistically is always another way and another option it's just that it's hard to necessarily see it depending on the perspective that you you have yeah so I'm I think if what I understand about the climate and everything that a large part of all of our purposes like I said is to make the world better and I think it's probably focused a lot right now on the environment for at least a lot of us and on helping people to live more sustainably um but also I think a lot of people will just be helping people to live healthfully or helping to live um, with, you know, mentally sane and healthy in the mind, you know? Like I think that there's lots of potential there or if there's just something that you like really want to make a product or a company or something like that, then that would maybe make sense because I think we almost do need replacements of all the shitty versions of stuff that's something that's um, actually healthy for us, that's healthy for the environment and everything like that. And based on everything else that I've seen happen, like – if you think about it, there there should be at least a way to make this, whatever it is that you're focusing on way, way, way better if you um, are focused on what matters and not money and not on power, which again, it's just, it's so easy to get caught up in that. So it's not like you're not human, like I get it, but I don't think that that's the purpose of our lives. And based on this book, money and greed and power is definitely not the purpose. Yeah. So there you go. Let me know what you think. I know this is a crazy concept. I really think most of you will think I'm crazy. But I guess that's totally fine with me. I think I'm crazy too, realistically. So it's not like you're alone there. But if this is real, just imagine. And then I really do like to just now view my life with that in mind. Like, okay, if I did choose this life, what did I have planned? What did I want to do? Like, I definitely think that... um, doing OnlyFans it was like part of the plan like it just makes so much sense because now I can focus on what my soul needs me to do to help the world instead of getting being caught up and constantly stressing about money you know because I think money can really makes it difficult to do what is necessarily the most ethical thing or doing the thing that is most aligned with your soul 
But now I don't have to worry about money because I don't care that people see my vagina on the internet because apparently I didn't care when I was five when everyone in my family saw it and I was running around chasing my brother's friend with his, my vagina. Like, clearly that's just never been a thing for me. And so I'm like, learn to embrace what is quote-unquote weird according to society about me and made it really work for me. So perhaps there's something that everyone else has told you is wrong about you and you're bad because of that. Maybe it's not actually all that bad. It's just the perspective that you're looking at it. Maybe there's a way you can make it work for you. And maybe that's also why you chose this life. So now I can see why I chose this life. Like the parenting, my childhood makes sense because I think I'm just the person I am today as a result of all of that. And I'm glad about that. I'm glad that I, you know, started the online thing so that I could share and help to educate and uplift people because I do think that as part of my purpose is to help people. Um, yeah, I could go on for hours about that, but I guess this has already been such a long episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know what you think. Check out the book, Journey of Souls. I'll try to link it if you are watching or in the show notes if I remember how podcast uploading works. Yeah. And yeah, I will see you guys again in the next episode. And until then, I hope you're doing amazing. I hope you have a great week. And if this book did ring some bells, and I hope you start to receive those messages that you've been eagerly waiting for from your soul guide to help you figure out what the heck to do next. <laughs> okay, love you lots, and I'll see you soon. Bye.